This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning to you. Top of the morning to you. Matt Townsend here, Dr. Matt Show. Welcome to the program, the program where we give you the tools, the ideas, the information you need to grow a healthier, happier life. Holy cow. It's been a busy, busy weekend. We'll do a little weekend uh, review uh, coming up a little bit later uh, this morning. We'll be talking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. I want to pick his brain on finances behind all of these campaigns. You know, uh, Rick Perry had to bow out. He ran out of money, apparently. A few of these other candidates have got to be running out of money. They're not all independently wealthy, like Ben Wasden, who works our board. 2020. Okay. Uh, Every once in a while, Ben just, we wake him up and he's like, I like ice cream. Anyway, good to have you here, Ben. Uh, also in the house, Kathy Aiken. And Kathy, I got to go to you early because I got to find out what you thought of the BYU-UCLA game. Oh, it was a great game. Wasn't that yeah, crazy? Yeah, great game. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, their runner just uh, did a little damage. Yeah, Over 200 yeah, yards. It's hard to yeah. stop a guy that's like going 400 miles an hour. Yeah, that's hard. And, and you it's don't win amazing. many games when you have a runner running over 200 yards, right. 200 yards in a game. Wasn't so. Didn't you think uh, the defense was pretty interesting, how BYU kept mixing up the defense yeah. and how that drove the quarterback crazy? Right, yeah. And then I guess they figured out, let's just run. Mm-hmm. And that worked. That worked really <laughs> it worked, well. worked, yeah. But still, 23-24. Yeah, great game. We and were, then again, you th- we, when Tanner was fading to the right, you thought he's going to do it oh, again. I, I honestly, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, don't let him go right, yeah. guys. <laughs> you let him go right, you'll oh, die. Yeah. But then, I mean, we were the UCLA was supposed to win by 17 points. Yep. Well, they're, I think, like everybody said, their freshman quarterback looked like a freshman. His yeah. first two games, he didn't have a whole lot of uh, yeah. competition. Yep. So this time, it really pressured him. And, oh, and, that's cool. And so I, I, I thought Tanner definitely looked the better of the two, yeah. both for freshmen. So, yeah, that was it was a great game. It was too bad they couldn't hold on to that lead oh. in the fourth quarter. Oh, oh so ah. close. Yeah. Now they, go to U, now they go to Michigan. Michigan, yeah. That's BYU a tough versus place to Michigan. play. That's a very tough place. I think it's about 100,000 fans yeah. or something there. It's crazy. And I guess that UCLA, that's good practice. Mm-hmm. Go Go to UCLA. That's yeah. good practice. And UCLA's better. Yeah, they're better than Michigan, so it'll Holy be a good test. Cow. I, I guess I, I, I don't. They've dropped out of the coaches poll, top twenty-five, I believe. Which I don't understand. I don't either. They, that makes they, no they, sense. They almost beat them, and yeah. they're like nine and ten ranked in the country. So I kind of thought they would stay put. Yeah, in that the coaches was... poll at least, but they dropped. Well, and a lot of other teams lost. Exactly, yeah. So. Yeah. I think when you lose to a team that's much, well, in the polls anyway, that's much higher than you, you shouldn't lose ground, but that's they right. did. I know. Oh, well. It's all. It's only week three. It's, it's all biased communism. <laughs> that's just what the GOP always says. I'm going with that today. Uh, hey, um, interesting, too. Uh, Joe Biden's wife uh, says, mm-hmm. let's do this. Let's do it. Get her done. That's pretty cool. It's crazy. You know, I just want to see it just so I can see he and Hillary going at each other. Oh, yeah. But will it be interesting? I don't know if they will. Well, yeah. I don't know if they're going to be as, as nasty as the GOP. I think – no, I think you're right. But I think they'll ha- – if Biden gets in, it'll get a little ugly because mm-hmm. they'll have to separate themselves. They will. Exactly. And, the, boy, the minute you start doing that – Well, it'll be interesting. How do they separate themselves? Well, one thing – John Kerry, I think, is saying that we should take about 200,000 refugees mm-hmm. from Syria. Right. And, uh, and, and Hillary's saying, no, 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 65,000. 
So even right there, mm-hmm. she's starting to differentiate and right. say, "Well, because hmm. she understands the immigration right? issue that her people are so angry about." And when you're talking about bringing more people into the country, yeah, I think she understands that that people are kind of a little upset about that. Oh, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. And then you know you got to be careful. Everyone you watch in D.C. for the next week, they're all going to be very careful what mm-hmm. they're saying. Oh yeah. Pope Francis is in town. Exactly. Don't right. say anything offensive. Uh-huh. Everyone just smile. But they're making a big deal. All and the, then when he goes, you're saying they go back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The minute he's gone, they're at they're each back. other. Again. Okay. It's kind of like, you know, dad's here. Dad. Shh. Dad's here, you guys. <laughs> Pope Francis is here. But uh, all of the leaders in Congress um, are warning their people that when, when the Pope comes for the big, he, he's coming to, to do a speech in front of the jo- a joint session. Right. They're like, don't touch him. Keep your hands to yourself. Uh-huh. Nobody oh, reach come out. On. <laughs> yep. I know it's horrible. No handshakes. Just smile. Can you imagine Donald Trump in a meeting with the Pope? Oh, Wouldn't man. that be an interesting conversation? I think it'd be fascinating. <laughs> it would be. But if the Pope can meet with Fidel mm-hmm. Castro, oh, yeah. Hello. he can handle Don. Yeah. The Don. I know he can handle Donald. I don't know if Donald could handle him. That's I don't the think thing. he can. <laughs> but, you know, Donald it, loves the Bible. It's like a sinner in church. That's right. Donald, can we talk about your weekend? <laughs> oh, sure. Let's do that. Anyway, interesting. We've got a lot coming up. Uh, but first, uh, let's get to the headlines with Kathy Aiken. Secretary of State John Kerry announced the U.S. will take in 100,000 refugees in 2017. The nation's current cap on admitting refugees is 70,000. Kerry announced the increase yesterday in Germany after discussing Europe's migrant crisis. Kerry said the increase is keeping with America's best tradition as a land of second chances and a beacon of hope. Pope Francis will spend his third day in Cuba today spreading his message of peace. The Pope will arrive in Washington tomorrow. California wildfire officials say another 162 homes have been destroyed by wildfires north of San Francisco. Officials now say the two blazes there have destroyed nearly 1,600 homes. Carly Fiorina has gained ground on Donald Trump in the latest CNN poll. After a strong performance in the second GOP debate, Fiorina is now in second place with 15% of the vote, a nine-point gain from August. Trump is still the front-runner, but he's dropped eight points to 24%. In that same poll, Hillary Clinton's lead in the Democratic primary race has grown to 42% over Bernie Sanders with 24%. Clinton's number is a 5% improvement from earlier in the month. On NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, GOP presidential candidate Ben Carson said he would not be comfortable with a Muslim as president. Carson said the Islamic faith is not in line with the Constitution. After the comments, a National Muslim Civil Liberties Union called for Carson to withdraw from the race. Meanwhile, Carson's camp has pushed back against the outrage, saying there was a huge gulf between the Muslim faith and American values. Carson's comments came days after Donald Trump failed to correct a supporter who claimed Mr. Obama is a Muslim. Maze Runner was the winner of the box office this past weekend, taking in over $30 million. Black Mass was second with a little more than $23 million. And Viola Davis made history at the Emmys last night, becoming the first black woman to win an Emmy for Best Actress in a Drama. John Hamm won Best Actor in a Drama for his role in Mad Men. And HBO's Game of Thrones won the award for Best Drama, breaking the 15-year-old record for most Emmys won in a single year. And Matt, can you name which television show had the record previously? Uh, most Emmys in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a 15-year-old record, so you have to go back 15 Yeah, years. I would say uh, that political show about oh, the White House. Good job. Um, the West Wing? West Wing. Good job. Yeah. I, I just remember I they used to have, win every award. That. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yep, they did. That was, that was just, going back a ways. I, yeah. In fact, I started watching that about a year ago. 
West Wing. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like, I got to go back to what they were all winning. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. It was all very just supportive. So you just sat of, down for a couple of days and watched them all? No. It, it's like just 15 years worth of yeah. stuff. <laughs> oh, great. I, can, I can't handle it. No. I, I didn't even know any of this. these Emmy winners. I mean, yeah. I hadn't. I'm not in tune anymore. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of those, to be honest with you. I, I do like Viola Davis. I think she's a great actress, so I was happy to see her win. I guess John Hamm had been up several times before, and this was his ver- his first win. Who, in, uh, who Mad has Man. time to watch any of this anymore? I, Matt, I oh. don't know. I'm oh, sorry, Terry. You. Producer Terry does. Oh, Terry knows all about it. Well, yeah, I guess that's what he does when he gets home. He goes gets home about <laughs> 2, and he just starts watching TV uh-huh. all day. Turns on Netflix. and Boy. Yeah. Wow, that would be a good yeah, life. Yeah, there's, there's several that were uh, – people say, oh, have you watched this? No. Mm-mm. The last one I really watched was 24. Did oh, you ever yeah. get into 24? I did. I, 24 is our vacation yeah, thing. I got into that. But you know what? Towards the end, it got so violent. I thought, no, yeah. this is getting a little too violent Well, we, we made a mistake once of watching it. We had the whole CD set for mm-hmm, one of the years. Mm-hmm. I think it was the first year. And we took it on Uh-oh. a trip and then started watching it. And by about hour 15, our kids were ninjas <laughs> breaking each other's necks. We had, so you figured you yeah. should go out to the beach Everything was a yeah. gun. And uh-huh. we're like, okay. Yeah, everything was a gun. <laughs> Let's turn that off. Put the banana down. We're going out. The problem out. was that was a show if you watched the first one, you couldn't oh, say, I'll you come can't. back tomorrow night. No, you we, we were, going. We would like We'd watch like oh, nine yeah. hours. You do. You get hooked on horrible. it. Yeah, yeah. So – from then on, we just said no. Yeah, no more. No more. I kind of figured that I, I wasted so much time on that that I thought, what could I have been doing with my time? So well, when I you think about it, it was only 24 like that hours. That's true. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> that's exactly what well, it was. Well, times, whatever, seven seasons, 24. eight seasons. Right. So, yeah. yeah. That was fun. Yeah, no. I like I – like, I, my favorite ever was – is The Office. And that's, that's only, hilarious. you know, 22 minutes at a time. Uh-huh. Greatest you can show on earth. And then you can just watch the next one the next day. That's not yeah. one you get totally mm-hmm. addicted to. And if you, you want politics, you do Parks and Rec. Yep. That's good. Yeah, those are good. Hey, by the way, I spent, uh, not to get, not to brag, uh-huh. um, but the governor of the state of Utah, Gary mm-hmm. Herbert, yes. and his wife, Jeanette, we're, we're pals now. You're pals. We hang out. Did you speak at the same event, I'm guessing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. you very much. Spoke <laughs> at the event with them and then got to hang out and we talked. Mm-hmm. He's a tennis player. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I wanted to tell him I play tennis, but then I'm like, I was afraid he'd say, "Well, let's play." And then I'm like, "Oh, jeez." <laughs> then I'd have to explain plantar. Yeah, and then you'd have to embarrass him by beating him, right? No, he's really good. Apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he didn't want to get beat. Yeah. Well, let's you and I will go take them on in doubles. That's what I was the whole time. I was yeah. thinking we could take you on. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, and he, I don't know. It's, Did you beat the governor? I don't know. What do you do? Do you or, beat him? Yeah, or if you're going to, you kind of hold back. I don't know. No. You don't. He's got Secret Service guys that are like, <laughs> don't don't hold back. He'll know when you're holding back. It's pretty cool. So, uh, Gov and I, I, I just call him the Gov. Uh huh. You know, we'll post some pictures and you know, just the Gov, no big deal. So your buddies now. Yeah. When are you going oh, to lunch? You know what's crazy? Uh, he's going to be on the show. Great. When's that? As soon as we book it. He said. I'll do it for sure, and I'll do it. And he and the he and Mrs. Herbert, they're going to be on the show. Fantastic! So, are they going to come in studio? Or yeah, just... well, they're in town on Mondays in where we are in Provo here, and so he goes, let's just do it. Let's get it on a Monday, Great. and we'll get we'll get on there. And I said, I don't want to hear anything about politics because that Boring. not to be rude, Gov, but that bugs people. Boring. Boring. So I just want to hear about your marriage and your family and. You know, your most embarrassing moment. No, totally. That's great. So we're going to start getting governors on. Mm -hmm. But one thing he did say, he said, do you, he goes, you ought to write for that Studio C show, which tells me he watches Studio C. 
You would be perfect for that. Don't you think? I didn't even think about that. But yes. he he's like he goes, That's a great show. It is a great so show. So he's he's watching Studio C, uh-huh. which everybody should be watching on exactly. BYU TV. Love Funniest it. thing in the world. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I think uh, you should be on it. you should we need to get you on an episode. Ah, dude. I'm not an actor. No. I'm more you know, I'm I'm a, I have a face for radio. <laughs> and a body. Maybe, maybe you could just was, be one of the extras or something. Oh, that'd be fun. I would love you know? to write some stuff for yeah. Studio C, but not. I don't want to be on it. I don't I mean. Come on. <laughs> you know, I'd be more popular. I mean, than you come on. I already on. know the governor. By the way, <laughs> holy cow! Um, I still have a cold. I don't know if you guys have noticed. I can't tell today. I'm coughing up a storm. Uh oh. I've got more drugs going through my system right now. I think half of them counteract each other, <laughs> but I can't see because my uh, eyes are just. Bad right wow, now. I'm glad I wasn't driving by you this morning. I think I actually passed you twice. <laughs> but what happens is I pass you and then I slow down. I pass you then I slow down. And oh, I missed that. Yeah, it's horrible. Still trying to get a car too. Yeah, it's 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 kind of hard when you're coming in and you see that there is a highway patrolman right in front of you and oh, you can't pass him. I know. That, that is the worst crazy. drive, isn't it? Uh, well, the thing that made me mad, it was in the passing lane the whole time oh. and it wasn't moving over. I, I mean, isn't that the thing you're you have to blown be by me once? I have. Yeah. Oh, I did. It oh, was good. weird. Yeah. All I saw was this white flash. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. That was probably when I was running late. Yes, yeah, I but I should have been here earlier than you. <laughs> but I've been true. sick lately. Yeah, you've got a good excuse. And my okay. plantar's hurt for yeah. two and a half years. Is it still hurting, really? No, no it's actually okay, perfect. It's getting it really, good. it's getting great. Oh, good. I'm almost. And it was mainly because of the orthotics, right? Uh-huh. You didn't get the it orthotics, shot up again. Nope, didn't oh, get it shot That's up. Good. Orthotics are the key. Yeah. Brought to you by the orthotic. <laughs> House of Orthotics. And, you know, I heard Taysom Hill had his surgery a week ago last Friday. So maybe is you know, he we can talk, up? talk oh, to that doctor. I that know would that be is. really great. Actually, I won't say his name, but he's the one that helped me with my plantar. He's a good doctor. Oh, my god. Yeah, he's the one that did the surgery on Taysom. Okay. That, let's get yeah, him in here. Let's get him. Hey, uh, in a minute, we'll bring on Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, find out what's going on. Uh, when it comes to the money, There's you always got to follow the money, folks, especially in politics. For crying out loud, there's so much money there. But what really happens when Hillary Clinton's using her money, not even to make a, any noise now, but she's shoring up the the nomination simply by making sure Super Tuesday's paid for. You take care of all the other 48 states, Iowa, New Hampshire, they may not matter as much. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back talking politics right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, on Mondays, we like to talk all things politics. We want to get into every possible political topic around. And who better to help us than our good friend Joe Cannon. Joe has um, he's done a lot in the world of politics. He's been a chairman of, of a state party, Republican Party. He's also a can- has been a candidate for the U.S. Senate, has served as an assistant administrator of the U.S. EPA under uh, Ronald Reagan, was also named editor of the Deseret News, uh, an Intermountain, large Intermountain newspaper. Um, And today he serves as the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization that's doing their darndest to try to help us uh, lower the prices of fuel here in the United States. But more importantly than all of this, folks, he is 
connected to Washington and is an insider back there. He hates that title, but that's the one we've given him. Joe Cannon, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, Matt. How are you? Good, brother. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, what uh, – man, there's a lot of stuff going on in politics right now. Yeah, boy, there is. Anything stand out in your head that you think, okay, let's just start there? Oh, wow. Well, one thing that's kind of interesting, and I think this is something we may want to talk about in more detail, but is the, the relationship between campaign finance and who's leading, uh, who, who's being successful yeah. and who's not. Uh so there's there's some issues around campaign finance. I think, of course, a lot of issues around the debate last week, who won, who didn't win, who helped themselves, who didn't help themselves. Let's let's uh, do a quick review of that. And then I do want to come back and talk about campaign finance, because it seems like the winners have the least money or the, those with the lead have less money than those without the lead. But it seems like if you have money in this game – you can win the long run, the long game. Well, there's a really famous, and so famous, I'm not even sure who said it. It's almost like a proverb now, but money is the mother's milk of politics. Oh, wow. That's so, scary, yeah. so but money, true. Money has a lot to do with whatever happens. What? Uh, okay, we'll come back and we'll get into yeah, the mother's right. milk, dang it. What? What? Talk about um, just the debate. What did you see? Anything stand out? Well, you know, I watched the debate, and then I listened to the commentary, because in part I like to watch the debate just to see what, you know, what was actually said. But in reality, what matters a lot is whose spin wins mm. uh, after. And it, although in this case, I'm not sure it was anyone's particular spin. I think there's no question, and now there are surveys that show that Fiorina hit a home run. Yeah. He hit a home run. There's no question about it. And I think anyone watching that debate, the, no matter what side they were on, would say she won. Um, so that's... The, but the she, other, that's her second time. I mean, that's two walk-off home runs to win yeah, the um, debates. She had to do a walk-off actually to get into that. Debate. That's right. She had to scrap, uh, you know, scrap her way into that debate, which itself, I think, had a lot to do with how how she was perceived, but but you know maybe maybe she's the real thing. I, I don't know. It's really hard for me to to uh, understand how where we are in this whole political thing when when, it, when the the leading candidates in the most recent CNN poll, which showed a big jump for Fiorina and a pretty big jump for for uh, for um, uh, Rubio. Um, but the, but if you take the top. <laughs> Three candidates represent more than fifty percent of all the you know for, you know who, people who like people who are liked in these polls. Right. So it's pr- pretty amazing. And oh, and those three candidates, and none of them uh, has held a uh, political office before. So you're looking at the three non non political candidates just destroying everybody else collectively. Yeah. Anyway, so Fiorina was a clear winner. Any losers? Um, I think the losers were the losers, and there's still there's a correlation between money here, but that maybe it's an inverse correlation. Maybe there maybe the losers are having a hard time with money, but I I, I just think the biggest loser in my mind was was uh, Jeff Bush, and not that he he lost, 
not that he did anything wrong or stumbled, but he still has failed to close out the competition. Mm -hmm. He's just another guy standing up there on the stage. Maybe he showed a little bit more energy, as everyone said he needed to. Okay, so he did show a little more energy. I think he had, you know, one of the classic, uh, it was certainly one of the most popular lines with the crowd was, hey, my brother kept you safe. Yeah. Um, and that, and you know, that kind of set uh, Trump back a little bit on his heels. But um, but he still, he needed to knock it out of the park, and he didn't. We're, we're looking at a single here. Um, you know, that's that's it. Um, so I think, I think Bush, in terms of the big guy, the big, yeah, guys uh, did not help. Just because he didn't shine, did he? He, I mean, he yeah. really. Because in that, you could see some people distinguishing themselves, and almost a shift where you could say, "Oh yeah, okay, oh wow, Fiorina's is the real deal." Rubio seems to be fairly strong and aggressive, knows foreign policy, but yeah, Bush just seemed like one of the rest of them. Well, and then then likewise. I don't think Trump did anything necessarily. I mean, I personally think he did, but then I have the problems with Trump. But I, I think he also showed, hey, he's just another guy standing up there. And yeah. he's, he's got some foibles, too. And you, you could be seeing that this is the high point of the Trump campaign now. People have been saying that since the day mm -hmm. he started running. But I think there's evidence. So the last CNN poll shows him down. I've read all the other polls this morning. There, there, I know there was one that showed him a little bit up, um, but the kind of a big, broad CNN poll among among um, Republicans and independents, leaning Republican, showed him losing ground. A and B, more significantly, his his dislike, uh, disapproval is all is much higher than his approval rating. Even when you know, even when people want to support him, so he, I think at the at the best, he um, was level. But I think by by being just level, by being perceived as being up there, then he went, he he lost. Yeah. Put a quotation marks on it, and and then plus, you know, Fiorina just got him, and you could you could tell by looking at him, he was a little bit, you know, flustered. He's, right. Even for him, you know. Well, I mean, she had this softball, didn't she? She had this softball issue that about her face that she could prepare for, get her look down, get everything ready for, and then she just pummeled him. She delivered the line perfectly. I yeah. Mean, so, and like you say, of course, of all of the questions that you can anticipate, you know that was going to be one. Yeah, that one's going to be there. So, so I think yes, I'm a big, big loser. I'm sorry to say, I'm really sorry to say this because I really wanted him to do well, as you know. But I think John Kasich was a big loser uh, in the debate. I, he just didn't come across yeah. strongly. Uh, he seemed, you know, almost hapless up there. I mean, he, he got a little energy in his voice on on some of the subjects, but he's also wrong. Yeah, on on some of the issues for for the crowd. I mean, it was almost like he was running to be not a Republican, you know. Mm -hmm. it, maybe you have to do that somewhere down the road, but you don't really, that's not a really good strategy if you're running in a primary where almost everybody who shows up to vote or in their caucuses is kind of a red meat person. <laughs> he just did not show himself to be a red meat guy. Another loser I'm going to say is, I think, Ben Carson. Yeah. I, I know it sounds weird uh, because, you know, I mean, a lot of people, almost everyone say that he didn't win. That's sure, that's true. But the, the fact is, 
Well, the other thing people say about him is he didn't need to win because he's not running as a debater. He's just the one commentator called you know the Zen candidate. Yeah. But I actually think he said some substantive things which revealed, yeah, he's not ready for prime time. You know, so a couple of his answers were very, you know, like uh, just not like what, what do you you know on minimum wage? You know, it's a <laughs> small question, not even that important really. Well, it's an I mean, it's an important policy thing, but it's kind of a throwaway question. And, you know, it goes into this thing about we need to mediate between the two sides. Yeah, we need to get everybody together. You know, I'm sorry, that's not the right answer. Right. Yeah, he seems, yeah, he just seems like he's out of his, you know, out of his element. It might be the right answer in real life if you're just, you know, how do you you solve public policy problems? But, you know, that's not what what primary voters are looking for. Listen to this quote. Um, let me give you a clip from Dr. Ben Carson, and this is what he said just recently. Um, almost, I mean, I think after in response to the whole Trump debacle about one of Trump's, you know, questions that were asked was that it was asked him about President Obama. I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that. What What do you think? What do you think he's doing? Well, to be fair to him, he later said he believes that uh, President Obama is a Christian and an American. Yeah. I, I just wanted to say Yeah, he that. clarified but, that. Uh, but the point is that it doesn't matter. Uh, why are we talking about that? The only reason you could be talking about that is because some there are people, there's a, a strong set of people who just believe every evil thing they could believe about the president. Right. And that's and he was trying to tap into that. I mean, he says he's not a politician, but then he tries to be a little bit of a politician there, and it doesn't work. No. no it, it, frankly, it doesn't work. And um, so, yeah, I, I I think he's, you know, people love him. I love him. I, I love his story. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about his politics for years. I loved his story. Great story. It's a hugely great story. But, man, you know, you got to... You got to show. I mean, politics is, is another famous thing. Politics ain't beanbag. You know, <laughs> politics is tough, and it's tough within your party. It's tough between parties, and it's tough internationally. And I'm not sure we need the Zen guy out there for us. Yeah. No, I think it's. I think it's a really. It, what I loved about the debate is it seemed to you could start to see some divisions in personalities and who really you want to kind of follow a little bit more. Um, let's do this. Let's take a break. We're speaking with uh, with Joe Cannon, and he's wa- our Washington insider walking us through uh, the debate. When we come back, though, I want to get into campaign finance and, and figure out about the money. And I want to know from an insider about how we go about getting the money. You know, we always hear about these bundlers. We always hear about the packs. And uh, I want to hear how this works. So after a debate, if I'm a money guy and I put my money on one of the candidates that's slipping, can I get my money back? Can I take my money and put it somewhere else? Am I the one that drives him to quit running or does the candidate decide to quit running? We're going to be asking about campaign finance. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're speaking with our Washington insider, Joe Cannon. He's going to be teaching us about finance uh, when it comes to political world. I mean, it, you got to have the money, right? In fact, as he taught us, money is the mother's milk of politics. Joe Cannon, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, Matt. So, so I look at this. Jeb money, Jeb Bush supposedly Jeb money. There's uh, that's an ironic statement. Je, uh, Jeb Bush has supposedly a lot of money stored away for this election, as does apparently Hillary Clinton. But uh, both of them were taking hits in the polls. Both of them were struggling. Hillary against um, cars uh, against um, Bernie Sanders, and Jeb Bush struggling to even find his position. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so if they have the money, then but they're dying in the they're dying in the polls. What what how does the money work behind the scenes? And for example, somebody I'm assuming had to tell Perry, you know, I'm not going to give you my money anymore. How does the money work? Yeah. So this to start out, let's say that money is necessary. But it is not sufficient to get you there. So yeah. you definitely have to have some money and maybe a lot of money. And at the end of the day, a really lot of money. But that's once you're a candidate, you know, that's not a that's a, a way less of a problem. But but in this in this, you know, the preliminary is money is really important. So maybe just to clarify a couple of terms. Okay. You you mentioned you actually mentioned both of them. So uh, what is a bundler? Yep. And what and what is a super PAC? Because that's those are the two. Well, there are three sources of funding generally. So one is bundling, one is um, a super PAC, uh, one is self-funder, and another one, and the other source is uh, small donations. And, and, you know, just take Bernie Sanders, for example, I've talked about him, but he's raised, I don't, actually I didn't even check how much, but he's raised many millions of dollars just by small donors. Those would be donors of two hundred dollars or less. So so you can have a you can have a broad network of small donors. Though that is generally uh, limited uh, for candidates like a Bernie Sanders who appeal to a very strong ideological base. So what is a bundler? A bundler is somebody who goes out, uh, Matt, you go out and you call your fifteen, twenty best millionaire, billionaire friends because you can only give to a candidate something like twenty five hundred, it might be twenty seven hundred dollars. Just say around number twenty five hundred dollars. That's the max you could give to an actual candidate campaign. Hmm. So uh, a bundler is somebody who gets you know ten or twenty or thirty or fifty of his best pals and or her best pals, and they and they they bundle. They say, hey, look, I'm calling up on behalf of the Bush campaign, and uh, I need your help. Um, and he needs your help uh, badly. So, will you, you you toss in the money? Now, there are there are, are a fair amount of rules that govern this, and I don't want to get into the Federal Election Commission. But um, who does that? Well, rich people who want to be ambassadors do that mm. uh, because ambassador ambassador royal appointments in both parties. You'll, you'll find a, a very high link between bundlers and people who get to be ambassadors to. Uh, make it up in place. <laughs> I don't want to make up any place, but yeah. The, uh, so that's, that's that's one type of bundler. Another another big type of bundler, which is also has its own 
up for regulations are lobbyists. So you're a lobbyist. You want to have a lot of clout in the next White House or, or in the next, you know, in the White House. But you want to, you've got a lot of clients who are in the, the energy business or whatever business. So a lot of a lot of bundlers are lobbyists. These bundlers can raise millions and millions of dollars. Now, are they raising that from thousands and thousands of people? Or, I mean, like, so is a bundler just going out to his buddies and getting 2500 from Mr. Jones, $2,500 from Mrs. Jones? Or can bundlers accept more money because they're not a candidate? No, for a bundler, technically speaking, is just raising money for a candidate. Okay. And so that's, that's a bundler. Now... Uh, but you're right. That is, uh, by the way, it is Mr. and Mrs. Jones. I, I'll just tell you, I got a call. This is um, a lot of years ago, but it's from uh, Alphonse Damata. I remember, yeah. Running, he was running for re-election for the Senate in New York, and I don't know. Someone gave him my name, and so he personally called them. So this is a Techno bundler, but this is uh, how some bundlers operate. So Damato says, Joe, like you know, like I. Don't know. I didn't know him. Yeah. All, but he, Joe, how are you? Uh, you know, I need some help on my campaign. I go great. You know, I was the CEO of Geneva, and I thought, well, you know, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll contribute. I'll, I'll do, I'll do the max. The max in those days was less than twenty five hundred. So I said, great, yeah, okay, I'll make a contribution. I'd been given called ahead of time. That, you know, he was going to call me. Mm-hmm. So we're on the phone. He says that I go great. I'll, okay, I'll give you the max, Senator Damato. Joe, Joe, you could do better than that. Come on, Joe. Come on, pal. What about your wife? What about your children? What about your uh, your brothers, your oh, sisters, your mom? Come on, come on, pal. You can do more than that. So, yeah, so bundler <laughs> bundles, and in many cases, uh, you know, the, the max is not sufficient. So then they just put it in their kids' names, their so if you have five kids and they're all married, that's 10 people, plus you and your spouse, 12 people at $2,500 a head. Yeah, there's some rules around this, but basically that's it. Oh, and man. Figure out a way to get around the rules. Okay. So, and their goal is just to get a lot of money, and that money stays with the bundler, I guess, until he sees that the candidate's viable? No, 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 no. You have to be raising Oh, for a candidate. For a candidate to be a bundler. Okay. Speaking of. So... Okay, so then that's one source of money. That 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 is is not very relevant. It is a little bit, but uh, in the preliminaries, like if your last name is Bush, you'll have bundlers from the get go. Yeah. But but if your last name is Kasich, you may or may not have very much in the way of bundling. So the next big issue is, what are these super PACs? A super PAC is can raise all the money in the world from as many or few people as they want as long as they only give independent expenditures. So they cannot be technically controlled by the candidate. But mm. if they are, if there's some control, then, then that's against the, uh, against the law. So, so super PACs were created by a, a Supreme Court decision. A lot of some of your, our listeners will have heard of called Citizens United. Right. It basically said that unions and and corporations, as well as individuals, so it's been long established that an individual can give as much as he or she wants to an independent expenditure, because they have a First Amendment right to do that. Citizens United expanded that to corporations, unions, and other entities. So, mm. so this is like the Koch brothers. This is Carl Rove. 
and 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 they raise they raise Tom Steyer. Okay, that's right. People left and right. It's George Soros. Uh, so so this is what so when people say you know candidates have a lot of money at this stage, most of that money comes from these super PACs. So Clinton has. We don't know the latest numbers. I, I try to look for the latest numbers, but I think there's a, a report due out soon. But but Clinton had as much as 25 million. Uh, Cruz has nearly 50 million. Jeff Bush has 103 million. Wow. Michael Rubio has 25 million. So you look at the people who are kind of winning, even in the debates. Well, guess what? They have the most money. Yeah. Kasich has, Kasich has 11 million. Rand Paul has 11 million. So that's not, you know, trivia. But no. Okay. So so that's super PAC money. Now the last uh, thing is self funding, and um, and self funders. Uh, it's a kind of a mixed bag. You could be really rich and not have any, you know, political capability, but you can fund yourself for a while. But in the self funding land. So Carly Fiorina happens to be worth sixty million dollars. Is she funding some of her campaign? I'm guessing yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, self funders can flip into you know bundler land and super PAC land. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump is worth four billion dollars, and he's a total self funder at this point. In fact, he rejects any big donations. Right. And and Ben Carson, just what it's worth, is worth ten million dollars. So Mr. Zen, uh, Doctor Zen, is. Um, is still has some money in his in his pocket. Right. Anyway, when you line up people, so we didn't talk about in the winners and losers. We didn't talk much about Cruz. I don't think Cruz did anything in the debate to hurt himself. Not sure he helped himself much, but he's got fifty million dollars there. So he's thinking, I just have to do well. The debates are important, but I just have to do well in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina, and I've got you know a little bag of gold here that's going to help me there. So he's he's going to be in, Bush is going to be in, Rubio's going to be in, for sure Clinton Fiorina are going to be in. Kasich might have enough money to get through, but he may also, you know, based on the debate, some of that money might be drying up a little bit. Oh, so so really, are they? What are they hanging in for? I mean, does a does a Cruz think he has a shot at as the president at this point? Or does he really think he's just trying to expand his brand, use this money that he's already got, uh, kind of pull a little Rick Santorum where he's, you know, first, second or third man standing? How does this work? Why are they still in? They're still in. uh, Well, first of all, who's out is going to be Governor Jim Gilmore. Senator yeah. Lindsey Graham, Governor Jindal, Governor Pataki, Governor Walker, which is a big surprise. Mm-hmm. Started out way ahead, and, and and they're all they're all fading. And I will see, but you know, you got a bunch of I'll call them the one percenters. They're going to have a really really hard time raising money. Yeah, uh, unless you've got a real special constituency like maybe Rand Paul and 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 like how could we fall in that category? But by and large. The, the, the giants who are going to stay in are going to be Clinton, Bush, Cruz, Rubio, and Kasich. They have um, they have enough money. And so what are they waiting for? They're saying, I, and even some of the one percenters might stay in through Iowa because they're saying, all i got to do is win, show well, and my fundraising will pick up again, and then I can you know, make, a, make a play mm-hmm. in 
in uh, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada. Those are the first four big, well, they're not big, the first four primaries um, that matter. So, yeah, that's, so if you've that's got it. money, you could stay in, and then lightning can strike. So my, my guess is, who knows, you, everyone's been so wrong for so many, so many things, but Bush's $103 million is not going to electrify delegates in Iowa, I don't think. Yeah. So, so it still has to be somebody who can connect with enough people to get them either to their caucus or get them to the polls. Right. You know, and, and a tiny, tiny numbers of people vote in these in, in, in these kind of arenas. So yeah, Joe, stick with us. Can you stick with us one more break for about five minutes, sure. and then because yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, then I want to just know. So what happens if a Jeb Bush gets out? Then his bundlers and his packs, I guess, can go somewhere else. We'll find out about that. I also want to find out, I thought part of this process was getting people's buy-in. And if you get their buy-in, you kind of get their money. And is there a downside to somebody that will just self-fund it? A Donald Trump, for example. Is he going to have enough support from the people if they don't have any skin in the game? Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, folks, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been speaking with uh, Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, about the finances behind these campaigns, the bundlers, the super PACs. You hear about all of them uh, and the self-funded. Joe, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, Matt. Great to have you. So here we we sit, and let's just say somebody that has a lot of, like, super PAC supporting, maybe some bundlers behind him – uh, Jeb Bush. Let's say his numbers continue to drop. He has all this money, but he just he's done. Who who tells Jeb Bush he's done? The bundlers? Do they pull out their money? Uh, oh, I guess the bundlers can't. But uh, can a super PAC start turning its money over to some other candidate? Or how does that work? Or does the candidate have to decide? Yeah, a, a super PAC again is technically independent. Okay. Uh, but generally, they're set up to support particular candidates for particular causes. So um, they, I mean, they could say, probably not directly to the candidate, and I don't know all the FEC rules that govern all the details, of, of which there are many. But I'm pretty sure one thing that can happen is the the, uh, super fat, the super PAC can't say to the candidate, well, they can say, look, you know, we're not raising, they can make it known publicly, you know, our sources are drying up. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're just not going to really have the $103 million. Um, so, so yeah, the, the super PACs are actually the best barometers of, of or they're a good barometer of what a candidate is starting to say. They'll just start raising less money. Mm. Yeah. The one the one thing you can't do as a super PAC is you can't actually give any of that money to another candidate directly. But uh, it's theoretically possible you could just say, oh, well, we're going to support some state candidates, or we're going to maybe we will support another candidate. Maybe maybe we'll start doing independent expenditures on behalf of you know whoever Rubio or mm. Cruz. But uh, but yeah, the, it is a the, the money raising is the is a really huge barometer. It's a huge barometer. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's got to be weird for a Trump who's self-funding this because he keeps dropping 
little, you know, things like, you know, so if I took your if I took your money, would you donate kind of thing? I mean, at some point, he's got to be frustrated if he's paying everything out of pocket because that's, I guess, great. But I thought the part of the process was to get people to support you, get their skin in the game so they that you have you have them behind you. You have their vote. And and that's really important. He is accepting small donations for that purpose because even – well, I guess he could actually fund a whole presidential campaign, but you're right. Money – again, people say uh, money is really important. It is, it is important, but money is also reflective of people's interest in a, in a candidate. So – it's not necessarily that candidates are bought because most people contribute to candidates because they like what the candidate believes. Uh, Trump has his own unique problem, although I will say you can run a pretty big campaign on just a two or three months' interest on $4, $4 billion. So yeah. I don't think he's in a place where he's right. worried about losing money. He may be in a place where he's worried about being a loser. Mm-hmm. That's a different problem for him. That is That's you know, the, the biggest psychic problem out there. Exactly. No, exactly. Ah, Joe, good stuff, my friend. Um, appreciate your insight. We've got a a hard break here, but uh, it really is wonderful insight to kind of figure out what on earth is going on back there when it comes to politics and money. We're going to take a break. Again, go check out uh, uh, www.freedomfuelfreedom.org. Fuelfreedom.org is Joe's uh, organization to help you lower your fuel prices here in the United States. We'll take a break, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. More ideas, more tools next hour to help you find the good in the world. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we give you the tools, the information, the insight you need to lead your family, your life, to be healthier, happier. Heaven forbid if you just took over your life. We're not here to just bring you the news. You can get that anywhere. We're here to give you the latest research and information you need. And just really to make you recognize you're doing a good job on this crazy project we call being a human. The human project. It's not an easy thing. In fact, uh, Good news. This just in. For all of you that were worried this month that uh, the world was going to end. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, Apparently not going to happen. The world will not end. That's good news. Uh, Doomsayers doomsayers have been predicting the end of the world uh, in the next week or so. Mm -hmm. But according to um, Philip Barnard, acting secretary of the Wolverhampton Astronomical Society. He's joined NASA in uh, basically trying to stop the rumors about the online predictions of the apocalypse coming. Mm -hmm. It's a trap! I feel better today. That 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 makes me feel much better. Don't you feel good? Yeah. Uh, Put it this way, Mr. Barnard said... um, 
he's not planning anything coming. Mm-hmm. There's not a meteor that's going to come and destroy. It's it will. I mean, everybody was predicting somewhere between September 15th and 28th that we would uh, basically a, an asteroid would collide with the Earth and extinction would be you know yeah would the game done. of yeah. the day. Not happening. Not happening. That's good. Isn't that great? They thought a two and a half mile wide. Uh, like meteor was going to hit, asteroid would hit near Puerto Rico, causing a 300-foot tsunami, a magnitude 12 earthquake. Wow. 30 to 40 million people were expected to die. Is that... So I take it he's not going to Costco to stock up on no. on food or no. water? No. Okay. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't go to Costco. Very true. And I'll tell you, <laughs> if you have their Polish dog, mm-hmm. I it's a have. lot Is like... Is that good? Oh, well, it's a lot like an asteroid hitting. Near Puerto Rico. About an hour after it's kind of settled in. Yeah. 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 The pizza's good, though. What is today, by the way? Have, have you said that? Oh, yeah. Did I miss no. it? Okay. I'm glad you brought it up. Today yeah. is the Worldwide Miniature Golf Day. Mm. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm Maybe really do that good at miniature golf. Yeah. Are you? I have an Achilles heel in the miniature golf world. And it's, that is? It is called the windmill. <laughs> I can handle I get anything you every time, huh? but a windmill. <laughs> Yeah, it's just that yeah, get you. Uh, my my timing's yeah, always yeah been the off. timing yeah. yeah you have to have good timing if I don't have to worry about my timing mm-hmm. I'm I'm a, you ace it every time oh. yeah <laughs> it's incredible also International Day of Peace that's a good one World Gratitude Day mm-hmm. that's another I mean these good are one. great days those are good yeah today is a great day but I'm going to just lead with the Worldwide Miniature Golf Day yeah I don't know why it's just how shallow so everybody get out there and go play miniature golf tonight with the family. That'd yeah. be fun. Today's family night. Yeah. And while you're out, talk about peace and gratitude. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. And the idea. Costco Polish dogs. And go get those out Drop by, go grab yeah. some Polish dogs, and then you'll get to hear the great explosion that is the astro- asteroid Pollock. <laughs> Pollock And while you're at Costco, get the Pepto-Bismol, right? Ugh. Uh, the I'd buy a good, case though. of it. I That's love right. their pizza. Oh, yeah, they've got That's great. That's good pizza. Great vittles there. Anyway, um, uh, so rest assured, life is good. You are safe. No, there, no problems. Just relax. I feel much better. Relax. By the way, Mike, uh, this is also in Michael Carmichael, uh, which is a horrible name. Michael Carmichael uh, simply wanted to do something, and in 1977, he and his son started painting baseballs. He painted a baseball. Just painted it, right? Mm-hmm. Painted it and painted it and painted it. And in 2004, he had a world record. Where at the time, the baseball with so many layers of paint, 18,000 layers of paint. Oh, my. Was now nine feet wide. Nine feet wide. That's a big That's baseball. That's a lot of paint. But now. That's really a strange record to go after. He's at 25,000 coats of paint on this ball. Mm. Which is, this thing is huge. It now measures 14 feet wide. That's a, and it weighs about five thousand pounds. He needs to come up with a new hobby. Well, his hobby is watching paint dry on a yeah, baseball. That's what I'm saying. He needs and to get a new hobby. It used to be easier to paint the ball because it was just a tiny little ball. But now it's fourteen it feet and, wide. Yeah, that's hard so to his dip costs in the can. are going up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a lot harder to dip in the can. Isn't that crazy? Uh, just but spray if, it. I want, you can just spray it. I wonder if he sprays it or brushes it. Does it say? Um, I don't know. It doesn't say. Yeah, the spray would be quite easy. But, he, you know, his, he's getting older. Mm-hmm. Only, not only, tw- it attracts 1,200 visitors. <laughs> Where does he have it? I don't know. 
Is it in his Where, home? He has it. No, he actually keeps it in a very special, uh, like, place, like oh. a, a like a barn or something, like a and special. People literally go out of their way to go watch this or go see this. Yeah, crazy. apparently, That's like, sad. there's probably a sign out there that says, "Do you want to see the world's <laughs> biggest baseball painted twenty four thousand times?" And he's like, oh, "Dad, we got to oh, yeah. see that." That's a you know plan for vacation for that yeah. right now. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's. I guess actually painted by hand. Mm. So you know, if you're bored. Now that you know the world's not going to end, go watch some paint dry there you go. in Alexandria. Not a big deal. But if <laughs> well, you're not, a lot to see there. And exactly, you know, that's not one of them, though. No, I, I don't think I'd put that on my. Well, I'd want the big, I, There's the world's largest ball of twine. I think that'd be great. There you go. But then I think if you really wanted to take it up a notch, paint it. Paint the <laughs> paint world's the, the... biggest ball of twine. Just start painting it. Uh, let's go to Kathy. Find out if there's anything more interesting going on in the news. There. There's a lot more, Matt. Carly Fiorina has gained ground on Donald Trump in the latest CNN poll. After a strong performance in the second GOP debate, Fiorina is now in second place with 15% of the vote, nine-point gain from August. Trump is still the front-runner, but he's dropped eight points to 24%. One poll taken after the debate shows Fiorina leading Trump in New Hampshire, 22 to 18%. On the Democratic side, the CNN poll shows Hillary Clinton's lead has grown to 42% over Bernie Sanders with 24%. Meanwhile, Joe Biden said he's still debating whether or not to run and said he may not get there in time to mount a feasible run. On NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, GOP presidential candidate Ben Carson said he wouldn't be comfortable with a Muslim as president. I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that. Carson said the Islamic faith is not in line with the Constitution. Carson's comments come days after Donald Trump failed to correct his supporter who claimed President Obama is a Muslim. Here's Trump on the Muslim issue. I have friends that are Muslims. They're great people, amazing people. And most Muslims, like most everything, I mean, these are fabulous people. But we certainly do have a problem. Radicals that are doing things. I mean, it wasn't people from Sweden that blew up the World Trade Center. Hillary Clinton said Trump should be careful fanning the flames. He is fueling a level of paranoia and prejudice against all kinds of people. And when you light those fires, you better recognize that they can get out of control. And he should start dampening them down and putting them out. If he wants to talk about what he would do as president, that's obviously fair game. But to play into some of the worst impulses that people have these days that are really being lit up by the internet and other conspiracy-minded theories is just irresponsible. Clinton weighed in on the Syrian refugee crisis yesterday, her first Sunday talk show in four years. Clinton said the U.S. effort in Syria has been a failure and called for 65,000 refugees to be taken in by the country. Yesterday, Secretary of State John Kerry announced the U.S. will take in 85,000 refugees next year, 100,000 in 2017. Pope Francis met with former Cuban President Fidel Castro yesterday. Before the 40-minute meeting, the Pope led mass in Havana's Revolution Square with 300,000 people. The Pope arrives in Washington for his U.S. visit tomorrow. California wildfires uh, have claimed 162 more homes in the fires north of San Francisco. Officials now say the two blazes have destroyed nearly 1,600 homes. The man suspected of shooting three people in an Alabama church yesterday was reportedly upset over a recent breakup and visitation issues with his son. 26-year-old James Minter shot his girlfriend and infant son as well as the pastor who tried to intervene. All of the victims are in stable condition. Minter is being held without bond. Volkswagen shares dropped more than 20% this morning as the German car maker is under investigation for allegedly falsifying emissions data. 
The EPA said on Friday VW used software for their diesel cars and Audi, and Audi branded cars that deceived regulators measuring toxic emissions. Europe's biggest car maker could face up to $18 billion in penalties. Viola Davis made history at the Emmys last night, becoming the first black woman to win an Emmy for Best Actress in a Drama. John Hamm won Best Actor in a, in a Drama for his role in Mad Men. And HBO's Game of Thrones won the award for Best Drama. And Matt, I totally for, forgot to give the best news. What? In the first hour. Green Bay beat Seattle last night, 27 to 17. Oh, yeah, I forgot you're, you're a cheesehead. Yeah, I'm a cheesehead. And I oh, last year I can still remember them losing to Seattle in the... Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Well, and bad. they... Seattle's having a hard start. Yeah, they are. Oh, and two, have, right? Yeah. Uh, you've got some cheese in your hair, by I, the way. I do. Okay, sorry. You got to yeah, take thanks. care of that. Thank you. That gooey, <laughs> orangey. Yeah, I had I, that for breakfast. On how did basis. you get to be such a cheesehead? You know what? I remember when I was young and my dad watched and Bart Starr was his hero. And oh, yeah. I've watched him since I was very young. Well, you weren't. Yeah. You That's weren't around when Bart so Starr was playing. Oh, yeah, I was. No, you yes, weren't. I was. You weren't. So if anybody out there. Uh, wants to donate two tickets. That's on my bucket list. I would oh. love to go to Lambeau Field. Thank you for inviting yes, me. Yes, you're welcome. So you're just welcome. be us? That'd yeah. be weird. <laughs> Our spouses would think that's strange. Okay, maybe four. We better get four. Let's get four tickets. Yeah, so if four. anybody in Cheeseheadland mm-hmm. has four tickets, oh, sorry, five tickets. Oh, Ben. Somebody's okay, got to yeah. take care Thanks. of the luggage. Yes, Ben's true. coming. Uh, and now we ought to take Terry. Yeah, Terry's a, he's a sports fan. Terry and Ben, could, they could room together. That'd be good. Right. Uh, he, yeah, he'll be watching. He'll just watch oh. on TV. But I, I really would like to go before the weather gets you know yeah. below zero. And we'd like good seats. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you've got great seats mm-hmm. in the warm time frame <laughs> for a really good game, we don't want like a throwaway game. No, we want a real game. Yeah, we and want a real airfare needs to be included. Oh, oh yeah, for the whole thing. And if you have airfare, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Not necessary. I, I mean, I just want to be there. I just want to see a game before I go. I want airfare. Oh, you want airfare? Okay. And if I couldn't make it to the game, mm-hmm. have someone else go to the game in my place, and I'll just take the airfare somewhere else. <laughs> there you go. You're going to Hawaii, even though I'm sure it was a different price, but, you know. Oh, man. You know, put it towards a trip. Hawaii, Hawaii needs a trip. Yeah. They need a team, I mean, that we could go watch and we can go yeah. hang out there. Ooh, that would be good. Mm. Well, that's cool. The I'm Hawaii glad, I'm glad they won. I'm glad you got that in the news. Yes, thank you. That's thank crazy. You BYU much. also won. Or well, lost. if you're a Cowboys fan, are you a Cowboy fan? I, uh, I, uh, no. Yeah. I used to be, but not anymore. Yeah. But they beat the Eagles 20 to 10, but Tony Romo broke his collarbone again. Ah, oh, I felt bad for the guy. I did. <sighs> it is. Even though I'm not a cowboy fan. I and did, no, and I he's, did but have he's, a little bit of He's fun to sorrow. watch. Yeah. He is fun to watch. He's super fun to watch. Yeah. Well. So there you go. There's the, the news and the, the sports. <laughs> and uh, if you do have tickets, give us a call. one chat byu We'd like to hear about it. Hey, coming up in just a few minutes, Dr. Sherry Meyer will be joining us. Emotional affairs, they're on the rise, right? With more and more people using technology. Is it chatting or cheating? What constitutes an emotional affair? What are some of the things you should be watching out for? And if it's happened in your marriage, is there hope? I do believe there is. Stick with us, folks. Dr. Sherry Meyer, author of the book Chatting or Cheating, she'll be joining us after the break. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Townsend Show. Man, such an interesting topic today. Uh, one that I deal with all of the time with my coaching clients and 
in our relationships today. When you think about it, technology has drastically influenced modern-day romances and relationships. You know, practically gone are the days of handwritten love letters, you know, poems, songs for that special someone. These days, though, we can connect so easily, so quickly electronically. We can actually send a bouquet of flowers just by sending an e- with an e-card just by, you know, getting online. But uh, so the bright side is lots of great ways to connect with the people we love. The downside is, though, technology could actually be, you know, a danger or a threat to some of your relationships or at least to infidelity, to cheating. So joining us on the phone, Dr. Sherry Myers is with us. She's the author of the book Chatting or Cheating. She joins us now to talk about the line between chatting and cheating when it comes to our relationships. Dr. Sherry Myers, welcome to the show. Hello, Matt. It's welcome. It's wonderful to be here. You bet. It's so great to have you. And what a what an important book, I think, because a lot of people can't they or they don't draw the line between, you know, cheating versus just emotional cheating. Well, it's a hard line to recognize unless we're so on it. Because nowadays with Facebook and Twitter and chat rooms and texting, and it feels like this is a friendship. Right. It feels like, well, look, there's a billion people on Facebook calling themselves friends. What's the big deal? This is just (laughs) a friend. So what if I'm having a drink after work with a buddy? Yeah. Or so what at the soccer field if I'm going to a play date with this opposite-sex person. Like, what's the big deal? It's just friendship. It's what everybody's doing. Mm. But what's beginning to happen, and especially with online friendships, is there's this subtle crossover that's beginning to happen. And I, th- that's the crossover from friendship into what I call emotional sex. Yeah. Which is this emotional place where a lot more attention is going to that other person and there's a lot more interest and almost a flirtation that's starting to happen with this other person and less and less with our partner. Because I guess that's the point, right? If I'm giving my attention, my flirtation, my focus, my my lines, if I've only got so many... Things I want to say in a day, and I'm giving them all to someone else. Then, in reality, I am giving my best to someone else. A lot of times, relationships start. People in relationships, especially longer-term relationships, start taking each other for granted, and they start getting distracted by the the pulls of day-to-day life, be it children or work or responsibilities or worries and they stop giving it to each other Mm. and if we're feeling lonely if we're feel if there's a breakdown in communication if suddenly we're not taking the time to connect with each other every day in some way be it using technology or not you know sending a text thinking of you or I love you so much or I can't wait to see you or bringing little surprises home for each other like you did when you were dating. Right. Or you're feeling a little bored or emotionally distant. Or there's a 
sexual disconnect. You're not making love to each other like you used to. Or there's a lack of intimacy, intimacy, Mm. where you're not showing your true self. You're not being totally honest with what you think and you feel. That's what leads to needing it or looking for it, even not consciously, but looking for it outside. Yeah. Because it's something that needs to be filled inside us. And I think that's a big red flag. And so, that's what I would... Wor- that, that's what we need respect. to warn. Yeah, that's what we need to be paying attention to. So I guess it's... And I guess if we're... The way we know we're being carried away is if we if we feel a need to hide it, I guess. Like, yes. The minute I'm hiding it, isn't that the problem? Uh, there's three problems. Yeah. And these, these, I call them the three S's. And this is the difference between a platonic friendship and emotional sex or emotional affairs. Yeah. And this is how you know. You're being secretive with your primary partner. So you've got this other thing going on. You know you got this other thing. You're spending a lot of time online. You're sending poems to this person on Facebook. Um, you're sending texts, you're suddenly crossing over to, like, personal, you have each other's phone number, and you're sending texts to each other, mm. even if they seem benign, but you're not telling your partner about this relationship. That's red flag number one. Red flag is your sharing intimacy. We yeah. talked about that a little earlier, that you're telling this person more and more about yourself, and you're not telling your partner. And there's a sexual chemistry. Whether you say it out loud or not, you're kind of attracted to this person. You're kind of curious about this person. You're feeling more alive and perked up. Even if you never meet, Mm. even if this is all fantasy with an online friend, you're kind of getting jazzed when you think about them. You're wondering about them. You're wondering what it would be like to be with them. And your partner's starting to feel kind of boring. Yeah. (laughs) In contrast. Because you almost have to make your partner more boring if you're going there, right? I have to, I I mean... it's you natural. Think boredom that's going to take you there. Uh, okay. it, 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 and, and if you're starting to flirt, even if it's innocent, like it feels like innocent flirting, or you start hearing yourself go, hey, we're just Facebook friends, or they're simply a coworker, nothing more. What's the mm-hmm. big deal? You really need to look at your behavior because secretiveness, sharing intimacy with another, and certainly a secret attraction are the three S's that you have or at least are about to cross the yeah, line. Those are the signs. And I mean, I think that's really telling because um, if, if it's if I'm just really riding my buddy and it's a guy, it's a guy or it's somebody that I there's there's no attraction. There's it's just a buddy. I wouldn't need to be secretive and I wouldn't right. share really overly intimate stuff with a friend. But the minute we start, well, I mean, I mean, I guess a friend that. I wouldn't share my marital issues with a friend that I wasn't, um, I guess, wanting something intimate back. Not sexual, but intimate. Maybe that's one of the differences between women and men. Yeah. Because as women, all our lives, men are more raised to be competitive. Yeah. You know, they're in competitive sports from the time they're young. So... To open up. That's why, in some ways, there's men's groups out there. Because mm-hmm. it's sometimes the first time men go, wow, 
you know, it's not just about playing cards or it's right. not just about right. <laughs> watching football together or, or playing sports against each other. You know, and there's teammanship, and then there's a – it's a different dynamic. We women, from the time we're young, talk about everything relational with our girlfriends. <laughs> right. Oh, he's cute. Look at that boy. And, you know, I just remember sitting there with my little girlfriends at five and six talking about <laughs> yeah. guys and every dynamic. And so we girls and guys are a little different in that way. Yeah, it seems like – I mean, probably, and, and even in almost every way, the secretive way, our egos might get more involved, the sharing way, our communication styles, and then the sexual way, our drives might get involved differently. It's, well, it, especially it's important. Especially when you're starting to talk to, because truthfully, men are starting to open up and realize it's okay to feel, it's okay to have feelings, but they're used to sharing them more with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. And... For a woman, a man who's sharing his feelings and opening up to her, that feels like intimacy. Yeah, that's true, huh? And so that's where things start getting blurry. And it's not that you can't have a friendship with the opposite sex. The issue is you have to monitor yourself and really be clean and clear about it mm-hmm. with yourself and with your partner. The first step is no secrets. Yeah. Because the minute, as you were saying earlier, Matt, the minute secretiveness steps in, you're sliding down that slide. Yeah. Well, and then, then because the minute they catch that there has been any secretive, you know, nature or just sense around this issue, trust will go up. I mean, trust will drop. It has to. They, they, they're they going to want to protect. Like, why would you need to cover it up? Yes. Um, it also depends on the emotional distance in the relationship. Some relationships never have that closeness. You know, you have it when you're dating. Yeah. And you have it when you're walking down the aisle, maybe. But then you start shutting down. Then you maybe don't, you share the day, but you don't share who you really are. Mm -hmm. You're not sharing your feelings because it may, you know, you start learning about each other and, ooh, this pushes their buttons, so I just won't go there. But that creates distance. That creates, in a way, what a lot of times, and forgive me men out (laughs) there, but... You know, I, I see over and over again men go, why can't we just keep the peace? That would make me happy. Let's keep the peace. Yeah, let's not go there, right? Yeah, let's not go there. Or if you love me, you know, why bring this up? Why do you want to make trouble right mm-hmm. now? Like, we're having a nice time. We're watching TV together. Why are you bringing this up? <laughs> <laughs> However, guys. It's true. That's the pathway to intimacy. And when it gets shut down, because women need to communicate. Mm -hmm. And truthfully, men do too. Oh, yeah. Men do too. Intimacy comes from allowing yourself to be honest, be who you are, explore different parts of yourself, interact beyond, ooh, how was your day, or Mm -hmm. good food, sweetheart. Yeah, and be real and, and actually let the person know who you really are deep down. That's mm-hmm. that's what that's what's so powerful about this. Let's take a break. Um, we're speaking with Dr. Sherry Myers, author's, author of the book Chatting or Cheating, and she's walking us through 
some of the potential uh, landmines you got to watch out for, especially when you feel like some of your needs aren't being met in the relationship. It's a big deal, folks, because it's easy to get drawn into emotional closeness to people online that you hardly know, but you might be able to open up to. When we come back, we'll continue discussing this topic of emotional affairs and beginning some of our great solutions for what you can do if you're going through this with your spouse, how you could still maybe reconnect and uh, kind of work your way through it, find a healthier, happier uh, way to relate to one another. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are speaking with Dr. Sherry Myers. Uh, she's a therapist, an author, a TV host, and one of America's leading experts in love and intimacy. She's talking today about her book, and the book is uh, simply titled uh, Chatting or Cheating. And um, it's, it's a guide to help us understand the impact of emotional relationships and how sometimes you can fall into an emotional relationship that, that leads you down a road um, that could actually destroy your marriage. In fact, it does destroy your marriage in, in a way because you're losing the emotional connection to, to the people you should be closest to. She's walking us through this. Dr. Sherry, thanks so much for being with us again. Matt, I just love being here and talking to you. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. having me on. And um, talk about what we can do. You told us three signs we need to be watching out for that might be telling us where we are in an emotional type of an affair or an emotional relationship, like an emotional, uh, I think you were calling it emotional sex, mm-hmm. basically. Because it is like sex, because truthfully, the same brain chemicals that happen when we fall in love right. happen during emotional sex. When we are sharing intimacy and there's that chemistry, that's, you know what they call it, chemistry? It's because there really is chemistry. That's right. Brain chemicals are getting activated in your brain. So if you that see that, that you to bond, to just that, to bond. just seeing that with somebody that is not your committed partner, uh, yeah. that that's a but sign. It feels so good. That's yeah. the problem. That's right. It is. <laughs> you it's feel a drug. More alive. You feel more excited. Yeah. And that's what makes it. That's why they call it temptation. Mm. Yeah. That's what makes then crossing the line so tempting because it feels so good when those our own brain chemicals chemicals get released in so, our body it's dopamine yeah we're oxytocin. getting yeah it's we're getting high yeah it's it's it so when you have the sexual chemistry that's a sign when we're sharing intimacy closeness uh stories intimate thoughts ideas feelings moments energy with each other and when we're being secretive from our primary partner those are the watch out. Those are the signs. So, so what do we do, Doctor Sherry? What do we do um, if, if this is kind? Of, if this has happened to us, and but we really want to make a relationship, our marriage work, for example, what do we do here? Okay. So, let's say you are the one. You're listening to this, and you go, "Uh oh, I'm having emotional sex." Yeah. I get it, and I own it. So, how do you go back home? In a way. Yeah. Um, you know, another big question is, should you confess? But let's let's look at, let's say it's just 
stayed at this, you're calling yourself on it, you're recognizing it, and you want to come home and rebuild your relationship and your closeness with your partner. One is you have to end your online friendship. Or or if it's a work person or a co-parent or whoever this is, you really do have to cut it off. No excuses. You can't just go, oh, well, you know, I'll just take a step back and uh, we'll just be friends from now on. No, you really do have to cut it off. And be prepared. There's going to be some withdrawal mm-hmm. because there's been this meshing energy and suddenly it's gone. So this source of excitement, the source of distraction, the source ha- is now, it's like sugar, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> when you're giving up a substance... There is a withdrawal. So it doesn't mean you don't love your partner. It doesn't mean you're not happy at home, but be prepared for withdrawal. Yeah, no, that's great advice. In terms of making your relationship, it's making your partner your best friend. Sometimes we say, oh, we're friends, but we're not. So it's going home and making your partner your best friend. It's looking at each other kind of anew. Mm-hmm. Because boredom comes when we settle into patterns and we start seeing with the same old eyes. And it's just there they are, that lump on the couch, or there they are with, um, you know, there's no excitement. Right. When we see each other because we're always changing. Each day brings newness. And it's just like seeing a flower anew. There's something very wow about that. Mm-hmm. There's something very wow when you can look at your partner with fresh eyes, whether it be their eye color has changed, mm-hmm. or I never notice the tilt when he smiles, or gee, her hands are so soft, it feels so good to touch her. Yeah. I never realized how soft her skin is. It's recognizing anew. So you'd have to really, which is interesting because, which is one of the signs, if I've been involved in an emotional relationship, my head has, hasn't has been in this space with my partner, and it's always been in another space. So you're saying, like, bring it back, bring your mind back to this space and start recognizing everything anew. Well, I, I call, I believe it's important for every relationship, new and old, and it happens more naturally new. Yeah. So as we get into our relationship, it's, you, you must give your relationship a multivitamin of the three A's, huh. and that's attention, appreciation, and affection. Hmm. Those, are, those are easy, right? I mean, closeness. Yeah, attention, uh, affection, and appreciation. And appreciation. Yeah. And appreciation is just recognizing the small stuff, not only the big stuff. Thank you. For the way you keep the house clean. Thank you for holding my hand when we cross the street. Thank you, baby. I just love you so much for always being, having my back. Yeah. Thank you, sweetheart. It's recognizing, thank you for cooking our meal today. Oh, thank you for stopping by the market and picking up this goodie that you know I love. It's being appreciative of what you are receiving because once we recognize that and put focus on that, you're going to receive more because truly we do want to please each other. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're recognized for what we're doing, it makes us want to do more. 
so appreciation is really important because also when you appreciate, there's a flow of love that starts happening. Gratitude creates a flow of love. So it's being grateful for the small things in that's happening between you and even happening in your life. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent, and then I want to get back to the other two A's, of before going to sleep or when waking up or both, talking about what you're grateful for. I love that. Yeah. A little pillow talk where we, we, we show gratitude. About our life, like yeah. what we're grateful for in our day and then what we're grateful for in each other. Yeah. Even if it's five things, like five things I'm grateful for tonight. That's great. It's a wonderful way to go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And that, then it's, and it, it doesn't, it, it, it's just reinforcing that we're there for each other and yes. that we're seeing what's happening in our lives. And that we're grateful, that we aren't taking it for granted. Yeah. That we, when you appreciate and feel grateful and focus on the positives, Life feels better. Life feels more uplifting. We find more enthusiasm, and we are more open to discovery. Because sometimes, especially when grumpy, even when grumpy, gratitude can shift a mood in a second. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. The next is attention. A lot of times... Attention is, oh, when I have the time. But attention can be a 20-second kiss. A 20-second kiss is a long kiss, but yeah. boy, does it bond you. Or it's just doing small little things for each other. Like, I tend to love dark chocolate, so my sweetheart brings dark chocolate home. Not all the time, but yeah, if he happens to be around and says, oh, she'll like this. Mm. It's doing small things. It's giving each other attention. It's sitting down and talking about your day, not about what you did, but how you felt. Yeah. It's communication. And it doesn't, it can just be a little bit. It's instead of saying, goodbye, darling, have a good day, as your partner walks <laughs> out the door, get out of bed and say goodbye to them or give each other a hug or it's, it, attention can be small little things. It doesn't have to be. It could be sending a text during the day, thinking of you. I love you, sweetheart. I miss you. I can't wait to see you. It, we can use technology for, it could be being Facebook friends and, yeah. you know, liking each other's posts. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's that simple, isn't being it? connected. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that your partner is, is, a, is attuned to your life and they... They know what your likes are and your dislikes are, and they, they're out there making it happen for you. Yes, and that they care, because attention is care. Attention feels like love. Right. And it, once again, it doesn't have to be that you have to sit down and do 20-minute talks or spend an entire day together. Although having dates and, and some undivided attention is also really, really important for a relationship and sure. keeping the romance hot and alive. And the last is affection. A lot of times we think affection is sex. Right. Or affection is we have to wait until we have time to really connect. But affection is that look at across the room. It could be being at a party and you just smile, wink, and wave. Yeah. It can be when you're in the same room together 
touching occasionally even. It's sitting together and holding each other. There's a lot of ways to express affection on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis that's really easy and not once again, time-consuming, because time seems to be the biggest complaint right. and excuse. Mm-hmm. So just being affectionate in small ways leads to wanting to be affectionate in big ways. Well, and it's, it really is – it's such a – because some people might leave the relationship because they don't have that closeness, that, that affectionate connection. Mm-hmm. and. Which, which is why, man, if we could get – really what I see when I hear you talk about attention, appreciation, and affection, those are, those are the antidotes, I guess. That's, that's what could shore up the relationship then to make sure we're less inclined to slide. Yes, because when you are getting pretty filled in attention, appreciation, and affection – You don't need to seek that on the outside. There's there's one more piece. Yeah. And it was created by a psychologist named Gary Chapman, and it became like its own phenomenon. Yeah, we we have Gary on the show all the time. What 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 is it? Okay, so it's about because a lot of times we may be expressing the three A's in our own language. Right there, you go. Yeah. If I'm someone who is action oriented but not word oriented. Um, I'm going to do it in actions, and my partners may not still feel seen or known. Mm-hmm. And so it's also important, important to understand and speak in each other's love language, right. be it words or actions or time together or affectionate touch or gifts, that we each have our own primary love language. And because all of those languages feel like love, and they're all good. It's not like just right. one. Right. But, for example, my sweetheart, he's a word person, and I'm an action person. Mm-hmm. So when we're spending time together or he's surprising me with little surprises or we, we can sit down and just be together, that's, that's my love language. I'm feeling most seen and known and loved. Where for him, he needs the words. Yeah. He, yeah. Where I, I'm not as – I'm verbal – but when it comes to love, for me, it really feels like action. So I'm having to up my game to leave love notes, mm. to write more cards, to speak the words, not assume that, of course, he knows I love him. Right. Because for him, words melt him. Words are what make him feel most seen, known, and loved. Yeah. And so that's what is really important. Of course I love you, sweetheart. No, you got to yeah. speak in their language. I love you. I, I made your dinner. I know, but mm-hmm. I just wanted a hug. Man, get off my back. It's It ends up being, um, it, it's like there's something so, I think, beautifully subtle about uh, an attentive, appreciative, affectionate moment where you know I'm into you, I want you, and, I, and you know I'm, I'm reaching you your way. Yes. That is such yes. an affirming, validating reality for a, for a marriage, isn't it? Or it a relationship, is. yeah. For any relationship. Yeah, it's powerful. Because this is, here are the critical statements that, write these down. I'm, I'm yeah. serious. For whoever's listening, write these down. Because say these in, say these all the time, more importantly, mean them. Mm. I'm here. 
you are important. We matter. I love you. We can work this out. I want only you. I want only you. Hmm. If you really can say those from the inside out, and more importantly, especially when there's a disconnect, someone has to step into it. Because not every relationship, where we have this illusion that relationships, when you're in love, should be perfect. Right. And just flow, and there's you know, harmony, and love is peace. and love. No. Issues arrive. Disconnects arise. Problems occur. Big problems occur. There's a lot of competition in our life to the harmony that we desire yeah. and the love we desire. But to be, to think like a team, to be a team, and when someone leaves the bench, to be able to pull them back into memory, into the inner memory, into the love, into back to the team. These are the sentences. Those to, are, I mean, really, honestly, Shay, that is, that's it. I and, I and I see it, and I see it every day with these clients I'm working with is, that just getting back to our relationship and, and being, I call that being in, I'm in. Those phrases, uh, powerful phrases. Again, if you go to Sherry Myers, um, to the books, Chatting or Cheating, How to Detect Infidelity, Rebuild Love, and Affair Proof Your Relationship. You can also go to drsherry.com. Great stuff, folks. She's a, a wonderful resource. We so appreciate her. We'll take a break. Come back. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, such an interesting interview. Chatting or cheating? So many times with my clients. What? I'm just, can I not just write her this text? It's not, it doesn't, it, let me see the text. No, you don't need to see the text. Just trust me. And off we go. So we start fighting about text messages. We start fighting about your friends. We start fighting about time. When in reality, the issue is trust. We don't trust. We don't trust what you're doing. We don't trust what we see happening. Uh, this weekend, I, I had the chance to speak at a women's con- or a parenting conference for uh, Governor Jeanette, uh, Governor Gary Herbert's wife, Jeanette Herbert, uh, who is the governor of the state of Utah. And they they put on a parenting conference, and I'm telling you. In these parents, as parents, if if we're having an emotional affair with someone, you've got to know one of the biggest, uh, sadly, the biggest groups or group of people that will be harmed by your affair will be your family, your children. Because they're going to know. My rule is that, you know, the kids will eventually be 30. And when kids are 30... They can figure out what happened. They'll know what you did. 
They'll know which of the parents are healthy. They'll know which are struggling. So get real about your affair. Many times in my office, I will ha- I will basically know, just like the partner, that somebody is cheating. And many times they will just lie straight to my face, even in private. I'll say, look, something's going on. Because if you're falling out of love, you have to be putting that love somewhere else. We don't fall out of love with people that we serve and we care for. We don't fall out of love for people that we talk to and communicate with and learn more about. So in your marriage, if you're falling out of love, it's because you're giving your attention to someone else, right? It's not just that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's that you've been fertilizing it over there. You've been giving it more water. You've been taking care of it. The grass is greener where you put your effort. We don't just fall out of love. So if you have fallen into an emotional relationship with someone else, it's because you are putting your time, your mind share, your excitement there. And then you need a story. So you justify it by, well, my wife was never blankety blank or my husband never. In reality, it won't matter. Your lack of character is going to catch up with you. So be careful. Most affairs, if you think about it, start emotionally. So get used – and I call it an emotional affair. She had different names for it. It's an emotional affair. And it's chemically charged and it's chemically driven and it makes you think that everything is wonderful and there's rainbows and unicorns and life is great. But the reality is that's going to fade. And when that fades, you're left with this other person. If you don't want to be with your spouse, then be done, I guess. Be done. But don't lead a dual life. You can always try to improve the condition by getting more real or you can improve the condition by moving on. And so with this whole Ashley Madison debacle where now they're in the back end and finding out all the names of these uh, these people that were on Ashley Madison's website trying to have affairs, there's more and more of this being exposed. So be careful. Don't believe you're not somebody that can fall into an emotional affair because you can. When people are laughing at everything you say, when people think you're the smartest person in the room, when you know people are giving you the attention that you don't get at home because at home you're just dad or you're just mom, um, you're just husband, wife. You got to be watching out for that. And don't ever think you're above it because you're not. You're not. A lot of people end up falling into these emotional affairs. And the emotional affair is the gateway to a full on affair. And a full on affair is the gateway to some serious pain for you, your children, your family. You divide everything, you divide half of everything, give it all up. And then supposedly, I guess you'll have a better life. But the reality is you're still just you. That's the show, folks. We'll take a break, come back, a whole new hour, more ideas next hour on how to deal with your uh, boss. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we give you the tools to give you a leg up in life. Everybody needs a little boost here and there. And on this program, we're going to try to uh, do what we can to make sure you can live longer and uh, lead a healthier life. Today, we will be talking about how to be more confident at work, especially, you know, being brave enough to share your voice. Sometimes that's very scary when it comes to the workplace and your boss We'll be getting into that with Kim Giles, our uh, one of our coaches from Clarity Point Coaching, our our great guest. She'll be with us in just a few minutes. But before we get there, got to talk about the BYU UCLA game. Holy cow, twenty three twenty four. Yeah. Oh, so darn oh, close. Yeah. After two you know straight weeks of great wins, that was kind of a heartbreaker. Yeah. And you know what? They they did great. They they weren't. They were supposed to be seventeen point underdogs. Yeah. Boy, they got that wrong, didn't they? They had it until the very last minute. Yeah. Then I guess you're the sports expert. They just wore out. What happened? Yeah, I think uh, I think their defense wore out because their UCLA's ran the the one runner ran for over 200 yards. I mean, that's so when crazy. that when they continue to run, 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 that really does wear down a defense. What do you think? Because um, I think Bronco did a great job on defense at confusing that rookie mm-hmm, quarterback. quarterback. Mm-hmm. Why why don't more people do that? We have Tanner Mangum out there. Why did UCLA not? confuse Tanner? I don't know. That's a good question. I guess Tanner would just, just kind of figured out their schemes and, you know, you yeah. had two weeks of game film to watch and and I'm sure that he went in with a great game plan. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I mean, it was it really was incredible. But BYU dropped two or three points yeah. or two or three spots. I know. I don't get that. Especially when UCLA was ranked ninth and 10th in two separate polls. It's so weird. And UCLA went up one. Yeah, I know those polls doesn't make don't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. That just yeah, is like they say, people don't up. really shouldn't care about the polls till about midway through the season. Yeah, but uh, BYU will then get to face Michigan, Michigan which is a whole yeah. other ball game. Yeah, the big house. Yeah, that'll be tough. That is that's a tough venue. That's yeah. that's the hard part. It's a very tough venue. But BYU, I mean, they travel well. They'll have a ton of BYU fans there. But I think the stadium hold. I'm trying. It's like it's hundred, close to a yeah. hundred thousand. Right. That's just crazy. It's a, it's a city. When you think BYU is over sixty thousand, you had you know forty thousand more people. That's that's one stadium right there. Plus everybody's against you. Right. And then you have your tiny little you know band of brothers. My brother went to the uh, when Utah played at Michigan a couple of years ago, and he said it was really one of the more unfriendly places he had ever gone to see a game. Really, you know, when BYU went to Nebraska. Yeah. There were so many people. All they said was how friendly the people Boy, were. Boy, they're so nice. Great there. people. And yeah, my brother went and did not have a good experience. And my brother rarely talks ill of anyone. Really? And he said that was not a good experience. That's crazy. Yeah. Did you happen to see? We'll post it on my Twitter page that the guy in Saudi Arabia, the luckiest man on earth Mm. this is the craziest thing you've ever seen he's walking down the street just you know in his he's he's uh, has a head um what are they called um he's from saudi arabia and he has a a burqa but that's like a headdress a turban turban? Uh, not a turban just like arab affair okay and out of nowhere Actually, he stops a bit, checks his foot because mm-hmm. he's like got something sticky on his foot, and then keeps walking. And out of nowhere, a glass pane falls off of a building. 
and it didn't sound anything like that. <laughs> it just, but, but it, it, a bomb blew up but and it blew landed, the glass out. This thing landed, like it grazed his shoulder. So where he would have been if he hadn't picked uh-huh. the gum off his shoe. And he, it ripped his headdress off. Well, I can't remember what you call those. And it, he was one inch away from being like cut wow. in half. And that something on his shoe stopped him for that brief yeah. second. Wow. It was the craziest. That's and crazy. then he just was totally startled because the glass pane just shattered into a million, t- like dust, basically. How far did it fall, does it say? No, it didn't say. But it was, he is the luckiest man on earth. And then mm. he just immediately just turned around, picked up his stuff and walked back from where he'd come. And then the one of the owners ran out and said, yo, come here, come here, come here. But honestly, wow. we'll put it on our Twitter page Uh at Dr. Matt Show, consider yourself lucky. For sure. Don't you see those things when you stopped for some reason oh, yeah. and kind of you can see why? Right. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I always just think it's a big deal if I get a parking place up close. Oh, for sure. Like, that, seriously, you know, I'm that's pretty karma. lucky at, at that, but I'm horrible at picking lines. Like at the bank or the grocery store, I pick the wrong line oh, I do too. every time. I do every too. time. I always I always think of which line I'm going to pick, and then I pick the opposite one. <laughs> that's the wrong one. And then one. it's always so, the wrong it, one. Me too. So she just yeah. The there'll one be one person in this line and five in the other. I go to the one with one, and it's still slower every have, time. Have you noticed? I don't know what it is though. Ever since I started at BYU um, doing the show this year mm-hmm. in the morning, I have had a front row seat parking spot every day. That's nailing you're here it. so early. Oh, I yeah. Wanna, I don't want to break your, you know, confidence, oh, but it's just because I thought I was so lucky. <laughs> like I could pick any parking spot I want. <laughs> You know, and I usually have the one there in the corner, but now someone's beating me there, and I'm not sure who's beating me, so I I don't get that one, which I kind of bugged about. I'll let you in on the secret. Could you tell me who that is? They actually come here the night before. Okay. It could be for the dorms across the street that have no parking. Exactly. That's exactly who it is. Oh, great. I don't want to. I'm going to go put a note on there and say from the president of BYU, you cannot park here anymore. Just just beware. (laughs) This is Kathy's parking spot. (laughs) Well, uh, let's get to why Kathy is here to the headlines, Kathy. You bet. Good morning, everyone. California wildfire officials say another 162 homes have been destroyed by fires north of San Francisco. Two blazes there have destroyed nearly 1,600 homes. Carly Fiorina has gained ground on Donald Trump in the latest CNN poll. Fiorina is now in second place with 15% of the vote, a 9% gain from August. Trump has dropped 8 points to 24%. On the Democratic side, the same poll shows Hillary Clinton's lead has grown to 42% over Bernie Sanders with 24%. Clinton appeared on Face the Nation yesterday, the first time she's appeared on a Sunday talk show in four years. She talked about being considered a D.C. insider. I cannot imagine anyone being more of an outsider than the first woman president. I mean, really. I know you're asking, do we want people who've never been elected to anything, who have no political experience, who've never made any hard choices in the public arena? Well, voters are going to have to decide that. Clinton also said the U.S. effort in Syria has been a failure and called for 65,000 refugees to be entered into the country. Yesterday, Secretary of State John Kerry announced the U.S. will take in 85,000 refugees next year and 100,000 in 2017. Also yesterday, GOP presidential candidate Ben Carson said on Meet the Press he would not be comfortable with a Muslim as president. I would not advocate that we put a Muslim in charge of this nation. I absolutely would not agree with that. 
Carson said the Islamic faith is not in line with the Constitution. His comments came days after Donald Trump failed to correct a supporter who claimed President Obama is a Muslim. Trump says he has no obligation to correct the man, while Carson's camp has pushed back against the outrage, saying there's a huge gulf between the Muslim faith and American values. Pope Francis met with former Cuban President Fidel Castro yesterday. Before the 40-minute meeting, the Pope led Mass in Havana's Revolution Square with 300,000 people. The Pope arrives in Washington for his U.S. visit tomorrow. The man suspected of shooting three people in an Alabama church yesterday is being held without bond. 26-year-old James Minter shot his girlfriend and infant son as well as the pastor who tried to intervene. All the victims are in stable condition. At the Emmys last night, Viola Davis became the first black woman to win Best Actress. She won for her role in How to Get Away with Murder. And HBO's Game of Thrones won Best Drama, breaking the West Wing's 15-year-old record for most Emmys won in a single year with 12. And Matt, do you have good handwriting? Absolutely oh, not. Me neither. I, I, I no. Yeah. Well, we found a way to dig deeper into who the presidential candidates okay. really are. Okay. So Michelle Dresbold, a handwriting expert, took a look at the candidates' signatures, signatures and came up with the following. Mm. The Ben and Carson are so close together that they touch, which shows Ben feared abandonment growing up. No, oh, please. I know. Carly makes the Y straight, firm and down, showing a person determined to make it in life. Hillary Clinton's writing is straight up and down, showing her head rules her heart. Bernie Sanders' signature slants sharply to the right, which means he's emotionally driven. And Donald Trump, you ready for this? Well, His yeah. signature has no curves, just angles. So curves in handwriting show softness and nurturing, which obviously does not go with Trump. Angles, on the other hand, show a writer who is angry, determined, fearful, and competitive. So when you look at that, you think, oh, maybe she's got something, right? Wow. The expert also pointed out that the P in Trump is rather oversized, meaning, quote, big hunk of man. Uh, can you say that again? <laughs> Say that, say that again. Big, Big hunk. hunk of man. You know, um, do you buy that? Mm, well, but, you know, the funny thing is on all of those, I, the the best one, I think, is Trump's with the angles shows angry, determined, fearful, and competitive. That kind of sums it up, I well, think. Yeah, but I'd like to – I could make one up too. Mm-hmm. I mean – I'd love to see her do it on people she doesn't know. Yeah. Let's send in hours yeah, exactly. and then we'll that She's never great. heard from at yeah. all. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because yeah. – yeah. Yeah, Ben and Carson, so close they touch, which shows Ben feared abandonment growing up. Mm-hmm. Well, or he just learned to not. His mother got really mad at him because he had too much space between <laughs> the Ben and the Carson. There you go, Ben. You, you need to make you those put closer, closer together. together. Yep. Yeah. So. Oh man, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Wow. Well, I'm afraid to show my writing. I do not have good handwriting. That's why. That's why we have computers. Exactly. See. That's what I say. Come on. But handwriting. That was the big deal. Like my dad has incredible handwriting. You know that generation does. I know. Yeah. And then I think our generation, it's like, whatever. Whatever. Just throw it out there. We all write like We didn't doctors. practice like they no, practiced. They right. practiced a lot longer. Well, we, yeah, we, were, we had stuff Other to do. Other things to do. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had to focus on more than just handwriting. Well done, Kathy. Well done. Let's, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, Kim Giles will be joining us from Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's going to be walking us through ways that we can gain some confidence at work And uh, maybe speak up. Be a little braver. We need to show some bravery. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after the break.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us, Kim Giles, president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a popular coach, author, speaker, named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America, also named one of the top uh, five advice gurus in the galaxy by the Matt Townsend Show. That's a huge accolade. It is. I'm just so honored. Good. I'm choking over here. Don't worry about me. Just fighting uh, tuberculosis. I hope that's not what it is, but I'm staying a little bit away from you this morning. (laughs) I wouldn't even stay with myself today. I I am not shaking your hand. But what's great is Ben's locked in a room with me. It's that that has no ventilation. I mean, it has a little ventilation. Start anyway. taking vitamin C, a lot of it. She's been- well, I, I actually gave it to Matt, so yeah. I'm, I'm safe. He's, oh, he's good. He caused he's this whole thing. He's got the antibodies already. But it's actually the perfect segue because Ben is um, – he needs to be brave enough to speak up. At work. He does. At work. To but be more he's confident. afraid to be confident with his boss, Don. Yeah. Because I'm not his boss. I'm his buddy. <laughs> And it will hold you back. It, it will. will. But people are afraid. A lot of us can work really well with each other as peers, or we might be able to work well down to our subordinates, the people that we are managing. But some don't work up well with their boss. They don't share their voice. Well, they're intimidated. Yeah. Fear is driving. Back Once to fear. Again, it always know, is. Back to fear. Uh, the interesting thing, I wrote an article years ago, Matt, about taking more initiative at work, t- yeah. ma- taking risks. And I probably had 130 comments to that article that all said, don't listen to her. Don't do it. Playing it safe is better. Don't put yourself out there. You know, it's too risky. Yeah. So I'm thinking there's a lot of people out there that sort of play small at yeah. work. Is it? Why? I mean, it's fear, but to have 150 or whatever people comment, like, don't, yeah, yeah a, don't take a risk. It's better. I mean, that's, there's a lot of people that's out a lot there of energy. There is. Yeah. And, and I, like I told you, I'm an entrepreneur. I haven't often had a boss. Right. I like to be the boss myself. Yeah, for sure. But I do have a lot of people who work for me. Yeah. And and you really appreciate the people who have the confidence to speak up, even if you disagree with their idea. Right. The fact that they have the confidence to be thinking and sharing ideas shows us they're invested. Yeah. That they're they're willing to play. And the ones who are playing it safe, I, I don't even know where they are. Well, I don't know what... That's the problem is, do I trust somebody that's playing You never really hear anything safe. from? Yeah. Yeah, you really don't. At the end of the day, guys, it will hold you back. Yeah. The people that get promoted and move up are the ones who are putting themselves out there, taking on risks, responsibility, jumping in, looking for solutions. And you don't have to be perfect yeah. all the time. And your boss knows this because anyone who's been very successful knows you're going to have some failures. You're not always right. Right. And and we don't expect anybody else to always be right either. Does does it – I guess when we look at it, it, it's just a risk. It depends too, I guess, on your boss, doesn't it? So Because some bosses – might be threatened by that. So should I do it based on my boss or should I do it based on me? Well, I actually had a client recently in this situation, had a boss very much coming from fear of looking bad. And and this boss did see his employees as threats. And yeah. so if you were your real self and came up with ideas, they could feel threatened and bothered by that. So I do think you've got to be smart and look right. at who you're dealing with. Yeah. But at the same time, for her to play small and never say anything, she was going to kind of drift into the background. 
So she kind of had to pick the moment and do it the right way. Yeah. So today we can talk about some Let's get ways that. to do it the right way if you're going to speak up. Well, it seems like to me too, I mean, I, um, I never, I mean, there's times I'm afraid. I just met the governor of the state of Utah and I was calmer than I would normally be. Yeah. Because you're just – he's in the office of the governor, the governor. But <laughs> what's interesting though is um, eventually I just – my personality, I just let myself be me. And that's what he had just seen me do on stage for 30 minutes. So he just wanted me to kind of be me, I think. And so yeah. what I wonder is is if you if you have the ability to use your personality, even if they're a tough boss, I notice with a tough boss, I'll, I can break them. Oh, yeah. Eventually, you just well, use, you and, use your skills. And you having the confidence to be you, yeah. it makes them respect you. Right. It really does. When when you're coming from fear and you're holding back because you're intimidated, they can feel that. They That's know right. exactly where you are and they're not impressed and they lose respect right. for you. Well, and then, they, then which would probably make them take advantage of you more. If they're not going to respect you. Oh, they'll you, walk on you if they don't respect right. you. Well, and then I, th- I would think, why did I hire you? If you're not going to add something here, there is a quote. Um, what was his name? He was a great. Uh, he'd go into companies. He wasn't a great guy, but he'd go in and he'd he'd chop them all up. He'd like go into these companies, buy them low, chop them up, break them up, s- and break sell them up. Off the pieces. And he he basically said, um, "You cut until you, you, you." No, he said, "If you're all telling me the same thing, I only need one of you." Wow. So he'd, that's one of the first things he'd tell everybody. And then everyone would start talking and then he'd start cutting. <laughs> <laughs> then he'd start cutting. But so give us some advice. What are things we could be doing to lose the fear and, and get in and start okay, sharing so our voice? Let's talk first about if you're going to speak up at work, here's some some things to do. First of all, I want you to check yourself always about why you want to speak up. Right. Because if you're just motivated by kind of a, a need to impress a need, a need and to, it's like, coming schmooze, from ego yeah. uh, or get validated, it's not the right reason to speak up. Right. You want to make sure what you have to say could possibly be helpful and adds value in some way. Uh, you also want to make sure it's not just complaining. If you're going to complain about something, then have some solutions in mind so that it's productive. Nobody likes comments if they're all just complaining. Right, right. Um, make sure whatever you're going to share is true or that you've done your homework <laughs> on it. Yeah. You don't want to bring up something that you've done no research, uh, no background, and it's just you're going to be slammed. By the way, did you, see the, did you see the debates? I didn't. When they was... brought up immunization and Donald Trump was talking about immunizations. And anyway, it was. Did he say things that weren't true? Yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't know. Right. And then, <laughs> but what's interesting is then the experts that do know, there's two doctors that are running for president. Ben Carson, one of the great, yeah. uh, you know, neuro, neuro, uh, what do they call them? Neurosurgeons. No, I knew he was a doctor. Who's the other? Um, Rand Paul. Oh. Rand Paul's an doctor. eye doctor. And. Neither of them aggressively fought for the truth about immunizations, that there's not a problem there. None of the research. I mean, Nobody Ben Carson did facts. a little bit, but they didn't share their voice. And part of that's because there's a certain there's a certain group that wants the that, truth. That, there's a certain group that believes that it, yeah. it's a conspiracy. So anyway, it was interesting to me that but Donald waded right into a subject he knows nothing about and then had to tell an anecdotal story about how somebody he knows had this happen right after a big shot was 
Yeah, anyway. that probably wasn't that no. impressive. No. And, yeah. and that's what we so want to avoid. So think through it is what you're saying. Make sure you got the data. <laughs> Do some homework. Yeah. Make sure you're right. Especially if you're running for president. Yeah. Okay, um, keep going. Also, make sure this is the right setting yeah. to share this thing. Is now the time. Yes. I, I've had a meeting with my staff and somebody started telling this story that was so inappropriate to be told in this group. Yes. And I'm just pulling my hair out because <laughs> this was not the right place uh, or time. Yeah. A lot of things might be better handled in private or with a different group. Make sure just check yourself before right. you say anything. Um, okay, I think the smartest thing I could tell you before you ever say a word to anybody, ask some more questions first. Yeah, get more information. Get more information. Find out more about where they are, what their opinions uh-huh. are, what they think. A lot of times we assume we know that yeah. and we jump ahead oh, yeah. and there's a lot of things we didn't really know. And if we just ask some questions, we may have been able to say what we were going to say mm-hmm. in a lot more intelligent way and in a way that would appeal to those people now exactly. that I know where they are. Because there are sacred cows, right? There's certain things you don't say, especially like if, the, if your boss's favorite thing on earth is Hawaiian vacations, you don't D- want to rip on Hawaiian vacations. Don't vacation. rip on Hawaiian vacations. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Always ask questions and do some listening before you mm-hmm. speak. And I know you teach the it's same huge. rule to Absolutely. couples. Everybody, please listen to us on this. Oh, yeah. Ask a lot more questions. Do some research right there yeah. in the moment about where everybody Measure is. Measure twice, what three times. You know, like, because yeah. one time our boss, my boss, Don, has a truck and I just, and a, and a camper. Yeah. And I just made fun of People with trucks and trucks campers. Trucks and campers. I believe that. You probably really did that. <laughs> I didn't. I never have done that except right there. I just did. But, uh, but you could so put your foot in your mouth. And then you can't talk your way out of that. You just no, – you've shot late. the whole gun. You're done. Too late. Yeah. One more. Okay. Um, ask permission to share. You're so – you always teach that. I don't, That's a yeah, great I'm point. I'm big on this. Hey, would you guys be open to let me share an idea? Yeah. It seems like such a simple thing, but it makes a huge difference. And then as much as you can, phrase what you were going to say as a question, mm-hmm. not a statement. What, what do you guys think about this? Yeah. If you phrase it that way, yeah. you're not stating that this is your belief and you're right about it. You're you're posing it and being open for a discussion about it. Which is which is different than stating it as a fact. Like anyone with a brain knows that this is the only thing people care about. Yeah. That is like such a <laughs> you're you, you're going to die on that hill. You, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you have, that, you have just created hill. the conditions. So you say always ask for permission. Then if you're if they say yeah, or sure. Then we're open to that. Then you're open to it. Let's take a break. We're, we're talking today with Kim Giles. Um, we're, we're trying to discuss how to be more confident at work and especially how to be brave and share your voice. Speak up, folks, so you can be heard. We'll take a break, come back, continue giving you more ideas on this. Stick with us with Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. We'll be back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Kim Giles in studio with us. Uh, she's from ClarityPointCoaching.com, a great resource for you. If you uh, if you need any help in what we're talking about today, which is just losing the fear, gaining courage, talking to your boss, or just being 
more confident, Clarity Point Coaching is a great resource. More free stuff per pound. Tools, ideas, insights. I know. We're giving it all away. I know, but you're but... great. That's so nice of you. I mean, a lot of people need to eat. <laughs> but some are just independently wealthy. Well, I, I want resources there for anybody, no matter their budget. Mm-hmm. Right. That's smart. So we got expensive stuff, too. Yeah. But we got a lot of free. That's great. Yeah. Um, and on there, there's a fear, a fear assessment. If they go to ClarityPointCoaching.com, they can take the fear assessment, and that might start to tell them why they're struggling with Yeah. If you've got trouble with self-esteem or confidence at all, that's the first thing I would tell you to do. It's totally free. Take the fear assessment. It's going to show you on paper what's going on in your subconscious thought processes that's That's creating all this fear. Yeah. So we can start getting you out. What else do we do to increase our confidence so that I'm more willing to share or do or sometimes just step up, volunteer for things with my boss? Okay, so the first thing we've got to do is realize we've got to have a good reason for wanting to change ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I always have people do is is make a list of the benefits you're getting from staying in the background, from from hiding out yeah. and not being confident. Because there are right. benefits you're getting. You're able to avoid certain situations. I want you to look at those benefits, and then I want you to write down the costs. That's good. What it's costing you to be there. A little cost-benefit analysis of... Because like you said, 120 people commented on your last article about this they saying don't stand out. Yeah. yeah so there's some benefits, benefits are so big low. to laying low. That's crazy. <laughs> so recognize also what are the would the benefits be of changing myself? Mm-hmm. And you've got to be able to see that there's a reason that it's worth it to yeah. change yourself. And if you can't come up with any, Matt and I both said in the last segment, it will hold you back yeah. from a, a, being a boss at work myself. I notice the people that are involved, that are speaking up, they're engaged oh, in yeah. our business and they will and move And that's up. who you that's who you kind of move towards because you know that they have the energy and the 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 integrity to do it themselves without you. Yeah. That's cool. So, um number 2, we want to change the way you see your value. And I had a clinical psychologist tell me the other day, Matt, that, that he read my book and he he said the reason your program is so impactful with people is you're literally changing the number one belief that every human being has that causes more of our psychological issues than anything else. Yeah. And it's the idea that your value is changeable. Right. That you can become more valuable if you perform better or if you look stupid, you're going to lose value and be less than other people. And I believe this is a really easy fix for you to change your your policy on this and decide that your value is not changeable ever, that all human beings have the same intrinsic worth. Right. And that worth is infinite and absolute, and nothing that you do at work changes your value. And as soon as you start really internalizing that idea, you can take risks, and yeah. your value is not attached to them, and you're okay. And, and your your value, you're talking about your identity of yourself is unchangeable. It doesn't have to change. Your it could be value. fixed. Yeah, your value. Because an, an economist would say, well, your value might be in what you generate. So a salesperson- Well, that's your net worth. No, right. Your... <laughs> but, so, but I guess that's it, because if I'm in a sales position, if I make a million, they can pay me 200 grand. Because I create value is the word they would use. So you're talking something. So I'm talking about your intrinsic intrinsic worth worth doesn't change. 
And your performance can go up and down, and and there will be a lot of beautiful lessons right. for you yeah. in that when that happens. But it doesn't have to affect the way you value yourself right. as a person. I think that's beautiful. So my whole book, that's yeah. kind fact, of what it's about, is how to get there and change that belief. And, and you need to you need to if you go to her website, Clarity Point Coaching. The book's called Choosing Clarity, but it's basically it's a system to help you. Get rid of fear and learn to feel better about yourself in your life. Absolutely. That's great. Okay, so once you've kind of – you're working on that, you're believing your value isn't attached to things, challenge yourself a little bit every day in small doses. See if you can push yourself out of your comfort zone today and, you know, make one comment in a meeting where you normally wouldn't. Yeah. And and try to push yourself just in small steps. You don't have to try to completely change overnight. It, it works a lot better if we take well, a little step. Well, and that's steps. great. A little step makes you a little confident today, a little more confident tomorrow. Just offer something in a meeting here, volunteer for this thing on the next week, a little bit here, a little bit there. Next thing you know, you're running the company. Yep. Next thing you know. That's the goal. <laughs> it may also serve you to gain some more knowledge. Yeah. Um, knowledge really leads to confidence. Don't you think? Totally. Absolutely. And there are tons of classes you could take. There's coaches out yeah. there. Lots of things you could do to increase your skill set, your communication skills, your ability to speak, join a Toastmasters. That's right. Anything to up your skills will give you more confidence. I find it really helps when I when the fear hits if I can focus on serving other no, people totally. and get the focus off get me. Out, get out of yourself. Yeah. Do you do that All when you time. speak? Yeah. Cause, Forever. I was like, nobody came here to see you. Just deliver the message. And yeah. it was the best. It just makes me relax. Because if I'm just going to try to help you, I feel so much. I don't feel pressure. So but if I feel like if I'm here to impress you. Them, yeah. Not about I love proving that. you're yeah. great. Same thing. I had a son that was totally terrified because he went away to a, a, a group like camp thing and that they were going to end up dancing with girls and he was terrified. And I'm like, it's not about you. Just go there and find a young woman that needs to dance and just serve her and dance with her. Get over yourself. Make her feel good. And then he called me that night. He's like, holy cow, dad, I served like four women today. (laughs) It's great. Yay. You get over yourself by getting out of yourself. That's huge. That's That's a huge one. Um, Okay. Accept failure as part of success. Yeah. Anybody who's been successful will tell you they failed a zillion times on yeah. their way there. It's part of it. We can look bad on occasion. I'm sure fine. you and oh. I have both oh. had a speech that didn't How go many well. Times? Or, totally. Yeah. No. It happens to everybody. It's part of taking risks. That's right. You've um, got to do it. And I had a coach recently who put herself out there to, out of her comfort zone to do something, and she called me after. Oh, it was terrible. I'm never doing it again. Okay, you're missing the whole that's point here. Yeah, you. That's normal. That's all new your ground. first time out of your that's comfort right. zone, it's gonna be scary and feel terrible. But the only way for it to get better is to keep that's doing right. it. That's right. No, that's huge. So we just gotta accept that's part of the process. And, I like that. And go for it. Give us one more, uh, one big one. What's that? What's one more thing we could do? Okay, I use visualization a lot with my clients. I will tell them, imagine yourself in that meeting and practice what you're going to say. Practice being in trust that your value is not on the line and being focused on the other people and serving them. Practice it. Your brain doesn't know the difference Uh -uh. between fantasy and reality. So if you practice it in your head, it counts. Right. And you'll be more confident when you get there. Visualize, visualize. And you can, if you could practice the speech 20 times, if you do it visually as if the people are there, 
it's just like giving 20 speeches. And by the time you get up there, you're going to be like a pro. It's so true. So I always breathe. I know you always talk about being present too. That's on that part of that of list. Yeah. And breathing. Because sometimes <laughs> I just have Do you stop a little, breathing uh-huh, when I you do. get in fear? I totally stop breathing. You could uh, pass out. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. I've done that twice. Uh, but part of this is just basic, basic stuff. And if they go to your website, the neat thing about like this article, this article was posted today. On KSL.com. KSL, so you just go look up KSL.com and Kim Giles. Yep. Should come right up. And and you'll find it. Plus, it'll be it, – it's you've got your book. You've got all of your other products. 290 – I don't know how many articles now. Yeah, I've lost track too. But they're, but they're full of stuff. Information. Go and get it, folks. I, I promise there'll be something on yeah. there that will that Be will more confident. You. And you know sure. what? And when and again, just serve the people you're with and your confidence will come out. Thanks, Kim. You did it again. Thanks. Nailed it. Kim Giles is her name. Go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com. We'll take a break, come back, visit the good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. We're going to talk BYU-UCLA game. I want to find out what's going on. Stick with us. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, a tribute to the great Hail Mary Pass a couple weeks ago. We're going to shoot it down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Hello, guys. How you doing? What happened with you? We're good. Do you like this song? It's beautiful. I, you know what? It's kind of somber. It's kind of som- Yeah, I was going to say, it is very somber. I love me some classical 89. <laughs> We're invading their Classical 89's uh, music that's, that's their thing, library. Man. Hey, um, that's great. guys, um, that was an incredible game. Absolutely it was. And incredible job by BYU. Bronco Mendenhall that... defensively totally confused that rookie quarterback. They made him look bad. I can't recall a time that BYU fans felt more optimistic about a loss. I know. Ever. 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 That Part was awesome. It has to do with the fact that you have a freshman quarterback. Yeah. You had already won two. Let's say BYU was one and two or 0 oh and three. The feeling would not be the same. Oh, it right. has absolutely yeah, everything yeah, to do yeah. with it. The right. Two games. Two and one. You, you, t- you were playing with house money because you won the first two anyway. Yeah, but we don't, we don't gamble. You're playing no, with house I, jelly I ranchers. Hot, yeah, you were playing with the <laughs> jelly beans. Yeah. Hot. Yeah. House Mentos. Right. <laughs> hey, um, House Mentos. here's what I need help with, which I do not understand. BYU is 19th, UCLA 10th. Okay. The new poll says UCLA 9, BYU 22. Yes. It makes no sense. What's confusing? BYU took UCLA to one point in the last minute and, and showed that they're, they were woefully underrated. And UCLA seemed a little bit overrated. And... Bada boom, bada bing, they both went completely different directions. Nature of the beast with the poll. You can't reward a team per se. You don't for reward losing a, team for a game. Yeah. No. The, the reward is that BYU is still ranked. Yeah, that's great. They only dropped three spots, which is notable. I mean, they could have dropped out. Right. They only dropped three spots. In the other poll, they dropped five and were out. But does every other team that went and jumped BYU, are they all going to play that well against UCLA? Well, Matt, you're not alone. There are are a couple of guys. The teams, yeah. Makes me mad. 
and the teams that there are teams that drop around BYU as well. So USC yeah. was a top ten team. They're now what eighteen or nineteen or something. Oh, they dropped that far. Auburn dropped out because they got yeah. destroyed by LSU right. and Leonard Fournette. Interesting. So, so there's a lot at play. Okay, yeah. When figuring this out, and and a bunch of different individuals submit their top twenty five, and then you cobble that together. Okay, I trust you. Yeah, yeah. no, and I, I, what I was but, getting at is there there are a couple of guys that are with you, Matt. Well, a dude from Omaha ranked BYU 15th, mm-hmm. and another AP voter ranked BYU 13th out of San Jose. If, wow. if BYU beats Michigan this weekend, and I expect them to win. Do you? Yes. <laughs> they have four straight home games. Oh, man. Uh, and, then a, and then a game in uh, November that they should win against, is it Fresno State? San Jose. San Jose State. BYU could go into Kansas City and play an SEC team in Missouri who looks overrated as well and be 8-1 and one and <sighs> be, who knows what they're That'd ranked. be cool. Number 12? I don't know. That's way out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. best case scenario. But BYU's in a great spot, man. Oh, if, yeah. If you had told me, Matt, okay, before the season, just Taysom Hill's not going to be on the team because he's injured. Jamal Williams not going to be on the team for whatever reason. BYU's going to be uh, trailing in the last minute uh-huh. of all three games, and BYU's going to win two of them. I'd say, sign me up, baby! Oh, yeah. That's where I'm at right now. I'm, That's cool. That's BYU true. BYU should have won the game against UCLA, but they should not have won the first two. He's, Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So no, you totally. can't take no. one and not the other. Do, do, we worry, do we worry that they that UCLA got 200 yards rushing? Yes, absolutely. Because that seemed, that seemed like, yeah, we were losing that. Michigan runs the ball on first and second down religiously. Okay? Okay. And at a religious institution, we understand that phrase more than anyone else. <laughs> we know what that means. Okay. So I I thought BYU's defense was built for the run. Yeah. But here, here's the good news. BYU's not going to play a team as good as UCLA the rest of the season, nor will they face an offensive line and running back combination that is as good as UCLA oh. the rest of the year. This is great. Okay? Yeah. BYU's going to go into Michigan, they're going to win that game, and they're going to be 3-1. and and one. And it's and it's amazing what's going on right now. And you know what else? Tanner Mangum, give me a break. Woo! Josh Rosen? Chosen <sighs> Rosen? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, he and Mangum looked so good. Rosen looked like he lost his head. I mean, he really did. He lost that, the ball but, three times. There well, lies the difference between a 22-year-old return missionary true freshman and yeah. an 18-year-old out of high school. Exactly. And that was a huge advantage for BYU. And I I hate when there's this huge mission advantage conversation. That's the there advantage. There was a huge advantage for BYU. Well, and you know what else? <laughs> Bronco, Bronco picked the biggest weakness, was which was just the age of and the innocence of the quarterback. The innocence. And he took advantage of it. Yeah. It yeah. is so BYU cool. BYU played a good BYU played a good game. I mean, they got rocked defensively yeah. uh, with rush defense and gave up. Uh, you know, huge chunks of yards, especially in the second half that way. But you know what? BYU was in yeah. position to possibly win the game. You can point at all kinds of little plays. The fun part on Sunday when BYU loses is everyone comes up to me and complains um, oh. you know, everywhere I go. But not 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 yesterday, <laughs> did they? People are still, hey, what? They're Ugh. down five. Hit the ball on. to Nate Carter. What a, you they know, killed. Just, that yeah, was great. Yeah. People complain. I get it. Yeah. People frustrated. The standard is higher than what we thought before the season with this BYU football team. They're a better team than what we thought. Right. Oh, you guys, this is great. You're not going to talk about that on your show, are you? No, we're going to do it. We're going to do a cooking show today. Instead. Are you? Yep. <laughs> what do you What are you cooking? We're going to recap reality television. Ooh, the you Emmys, guys. Ah. Uh, which I didn't watch. Did you no. see what the Kardashians were wearing? I was watching the Seahawks Packer game. Yeah, I, Packers. 
You know what? I was just keeping the Sabbath day holy. Yeah, so was I. That's what I was doing. In my own way? Sports? <laughs> Worship as you will. <laughs> hey, um, hey I'm what, what, is, what is your topic of choice today? And then I'll let you go. I'll, I'll end with this. The Twitter question today. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about BYU football in the game against UCLA? That's a great question. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Join the conversation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation. It starts in eight minutes and eight seconds. And we'll get you time right now to go do your hair, wax your back, and uh, manscape. Good luck, gentlemen. All right. Have a great show. No comment. Well done. Oh, that's the show, folks. You want to listen to BYU Sports Nation. Top of the hour. Seriously. It's the real deal. Uh, Stick with it. Oh, nine to noon, by the way. So it's at noon Eastern time. Um, But before we, we give up... The microphone. A couple stories we've got to get to. Number one, uh, just just be grateful you're not these people, okay? How about this one? All for a taco. A beefy crunch burrito. You know, the price jumped from $0.99 cents to $1.49, and Ricardo Jones was having none of that. He had just ordered—oh, boy. He had, ah, he had just ordered seven of these uh, beefy crunch burritos from Taco Bell, and Jones was so disgruntled by the price— a hike, he shot an air gun at the manager, displayed an assault rifle and a pistol while in the restaurant, fled, police were called, weapons were pointed at and three officers who pulled at the three officers who pulled him over, all over about a fifty cent increase in a taco price. Oh come on. Oh come on is right. For three dollars and fifty cents, the man's going to jail for a long, long time. You know what? Not worth it. He's he's loco for his taco. <laughs> he lost it. Uh, I uh, I caramba. Uh, another one. How about this meat thief? Which there's nothing worse when you think about it than a meat thief. In San Antonio, a known a known meat thief. Now I don't know I don't know what it takes to be a known. Hey, is that Jimmy the known meat thief? It means your wanted poster is like on the. The butcher's shop. <laughs> That's right. This is a known meat thief. On Sunday, he was caught stuffing more than 100 pounds of uh, steak down his pants. What is that? That doesn't... Okay. Uh, according to an arrest warrant... Was um, it a dead cow or... A... No, that, was a, that wasn't even a cow. Roland Gonzalez, 41, faces a charge of theft. Gonzalez entered the HEB in uh, San Antonio and was immediately recognized by the store's loss prevention staff as the known meat thief. He is a known meat thief, and he has stolen meat products in the past. The affidavit said he was stuffing meat in his pants. Hey, put your hands up! And he puts his hands up, and this big slab of meat falls out. It was a horrible mess. Uh, By the way, he had taken $102 worth of Prime One steaks and put them... You're a monster! He's a He's a meat monster is what he is. He then walked to the alcohol section of the store and stuffed all of the steaks in his pants. He then strolled out. Didn't even buy alcohol. Meat thief. Folks, keep your eye out for a known meat thief. Nothing worse than that. And maybe the only thing worse than that is a Florida man who shot at his landscapers simply because they had grass clippings on his car. He's out there... They're out mowing the lawn, and he goes crazy. I'm telling you, 91 years old, this man. I mean, I guess it's 
So there's probably something else going on, right? He flipped out, took a shot, put had a guy kneel down, put the gun at his head. It was crazy. A fight ensued. Anyway, all the neighbors were like, yeah, that dude's crazy. But this was in Florida, right? Interestingly, that was in Florida. Okay, we we should we should conduct a study to see how many of these are in Florida. I know we should. I love Florida, and I don't understand why they have so many problems there. But uh, the other ones weren't in Florida; they were in other states. So Florida, you're doing great. Hey, here's our hero of the day. We always like to end the show on the hero of the day. Uh, he's not too young to save a life. Friday, September 11th, at a Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. In Beaverdam, Wisconsin, a boy receives recognition for coming to the rescue of a young woman. It's gratitude on a grand scale. I won't be able to say thank you enough. We were minutes from having to call a funeral home, said Kayla Teets, sister of the woman who was saved. Friday afternoon, Kayla Teets stood in the parking lot with Beaverdam's Majestic Hills Mobile Home Park, where on August 26th, her sister Stacy Besky was in her car unresponsive. This was the second time we almost lost my sister, Teet said. Instead, Stacy Stacy Besky was found um, by an 11-year-old boy. He goes over, knocks on the door of the car, bangs on the door, yells and tries to get her to wake up, said the Dodge Sheriff Police or Sheriff's Department. Besky overdosed on heroin. The boy went and got his mother, dialed 911, continued to bother Besky in the vehicle. The act of stimulating this young lady and keeping her brain active, keeping her aware, kept her from succumbing to the overdose, Sheriff Smith said. Dodge County Sheriff Adele Schmidt says the effort deserves some recognition. So Friday night, the little lifesaver, who is a football fanatic, was at the Beaver Dam High School football game where he scored a big surprise. A humble Christopher Rios Sarabia was hailed as a hero. I like it so much, but they didn't have to really do this, the boy said. He just simply said, we wanted to. Football can come and go, but the person has only one chance, said Chris. Besky's sister says the 21-year-old remains in jail, where she continues to recover. Meanwhile, Chris has to hustle home from his highlight to rest up for his own youth football game, which was on Saturday morning. So a special shout-out to that great uh, young hero who saw the need and went and saved a life. Folks, if we would just all watch out for each other, we'd all be a lot safer. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, make it a great one.